Morning, everybody. Nice to have your company. Welcome along. It's uh, Wednesday morning in London town. <clears throat> we might have got some result from Marks and Spencers, courtesy of Doreen. It's over the overcharging. You remember they, uh, they overcharge for the Sunday papers, for the, uh, for the Daily Star on Sunday, for the Express, and what was the other one? I think it was the Sun, where they haven't changed the computers. And the manager gave me some cock and bull story that it was, uh, it was, it was set by Central Office. Well, I'm going to speak to a, a woman in their retail customer services later called Sarah Wynne. I'll let you know what she says, because, I mean, either he's spinning us the biggest load of hogwash or the whole of Marks and Spencer's ripping you off on a Sunday for three papers, which actually might not sound much. It only involves something like 35, 40 pence. But to be honest with you, multiply that by the thousands of papers they must sell and they're doing better than they are on carrier bags. So uh, we'll come around to that one a little bit later on. Uh, plus, of course, it's the paper. There's absolutely nothing in the papers today. I wish I could lie to you and tell you there was something in there, but there isn't. It's either the gold medals, or it's uh, it's this missing girl, Tia. And uh, we've seen the family on television. We saw it yesterday, the family were on television. And, uh, and you just... Now the family are arguing over who saw what. And one of them said he saw her walking down the road, and then somebody else said, no, you can't have done. And to be honest with you, she's vanished. Into thin air. I don't, I don't see really how it's possible for a child in this day and age to just disappear. There is only one bit of CCTV, which we talked about yesterday, and there's some pictures in the papers today. But to be, to be brutally honest with you, she's, it's like somebody's waved a wand and she just went and vanished. Because in between leaving, she lived at her grandmother's house for reasons best known to the people there. I, I can't quite work out how that comes that she lives at her grandmother's house. But anyway, so from walking out the front gate, she vanishes into thin air. It is almost like, you know, your worst nightmare. And nobody appears to have seen anything. They've had 50 sightings, but nothing's proven at all at the moment. So we'll talk about that a little bit later on. I mean, you never know. Them wearing the T-shirts and appearing on television might jog people's memories. But unfortunately, people say... Let's face it, we've had enough people who claim to have seen Madeleine McCann. You know, they say, oh, yes, I saw a little girl. She was with a man and she looked agitated. Well, not after this amount of time she's not going to be looking agitated. And whoever took Madeleine McCann is hardly going to be parading around tourist resorts. And so that's why, you know, the Madeleine McCann story becomes even more complicated because nobody understands what on earth is, is going on there. And it's, it's just terribly sad how children disappear. But there are thousands every single year who disappear and who are never heard of again. And parents sit there. I mean, I've, I've spoken to parents before who've said that they haven't changed their bedrooms. They've left... This is years down the line. Because they say any day now they're expecting them to walk through the front door again. Which is what you would do if you're a parent. So uh, we'll follow that one. The Sun, uh, on the front page, have put a list of all the, the medals that we've got. 22 medals. Blimey. 22 blooming medals. We've got them for everything. Long jump. I love this one. Women's cycling team pursuit. What the dickens is that when it's at home? I mean, it's ridiculous. Women's lightweight double skulls. Uh, the Coxless Four. You feel a bit sorry for them, don't you, really? But uh, uh, team jumping. We do a lot of jumping around here. Uh, Chris Hoy for the men's Kieran. Cycle- a lot of, you know, we've done really well in cycling, I've noticed. Cycling pops up all the time. And, uh, and also rowing. Not the kind of thing. Because you know why? Sitting down sports. We're British. We don't do anything really standing up. You know, anything that involves sitting down, we're great. Sit us on our bottoms and we're there for the country. We do it very well indeed. So now China have got 34, USA 30, we've got 22, South Korea 12. Ha! We laugh at South Korea. Russia 10. Ha! We laugh at Russia. France only 8. Italy 7. 
Germany six. Kazakhstan have got six, for God's sake. Kazakhstan, the millionaire's playground of Kazakhstan, known for nothing. Australia, four. Pathetic, isn't it? What a bunch of wusses. Couldn't organise the proverbial in a brewery. Iran, four. Well, I mean, that kind of figures, doesn't it? You kind of figure around four. Hungary, four. North Korea, four. Oh, I bet they're cursing, aren't they? Four. South Korea, 12. Probably the oppression, I should imagine. And Cuba, three. I think because they stopped to have a big Havana every so often. So... And then sort of, you know, sort of couldn't really be bothered. Uh, Russia's got 20 medals in... Uh, sorry, 20 bronzes. Uh, we've only got 13. Which actually is not bad. China's got 18 and the USA's got 21. Either way, it's blooming good, isn't it? And there's pages and pages of it. People have picked up on it and they've gone very excited. I was more horrified to discover that British tennis number one, Andrew Castle, who's now a TV host, is only 48. I seriously thought he was about 55, 60. I had no idea he was only 48, but there you go. And uh, he's saying sport every day. But of course, that's fine for him, because if, if you are a sporting person, you've got the facilities to do it. Then, then it's 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 brilliant. Brad Pitt has bought a watch for fiance Angelina Jolie. Cost a quarter of a million pounds. Quarter of a million pounds for a watch. What a waste of money. What an absolute. Who on earth in their right mind, unless you're either barking mad or a Russian oligarch, would spend two hundred and fifty thousand pounds on a watch? It tells the time. I mean, I've got my little my little ticker ticker Timex watch on. It just tells. I know people don't even have a watch because they've got it on their mobile phone. And you click it on and it says 409. And you think, well, that's OK. I can cope with 409. Uh, there's uh, Marvin Hamlish died. Of course, we got that news through the other day. And uh, he was 68. I mean, he did the music for The Sting. He was a fail. Well, we were talking yesterday. Do you remember on chat shows on the television? And he was a regular with old Parker. He used to pitch up with Sammy Khan and a load of other people. And he was, he was great. He always looked exactly the same, no matter whether you saw him in a pair of jeans or a suit Marvin Hamlish always looked exactly the same. His hair was never out of place. His features were perfect. There was something about him, but he was 68, and he'd had a, he'd had a brief illness. I mean, he, he was, I suppose, one of a kind. He wrote The Way We Were, I think. You know, memories, like the corners of my mind. Mr. Warner's kind of memories of the way we were. Which also was covered by Duran Duran, and they did it on one of their sort of, you know, Songs That You Want To Forget album. Um, Four Pals broke the longest board game record by playing Small World... For 54 and a half hours in North Ayrshire. Have you been to North Ayrshire? That's what they do. They play board games. It's such a dull place. It is so boring. I mean, ev- even the animals up there look bored. It's a, I don't know what the board game is. Small world. Kind of fits in with North Ayrshire, doesn't it? Is anybody listening, listening in North Ayrshire? I became all Lithby all of a sudden. If anybody listening in North Ayrshire, what the hell is Small World? I've heard of Small World at Disney... It's a small world in... Um, that's the one you could shoot the characters. You go round a little boat and they've got little people from different countries. <laughs> it's, it's quite... It's quite. It's a very old Disney ride. A bit like most of Disney, actually. It is fairly old and established. I love it. I can't get enough of the mouse. I just love going backstage and seeing all the characters with their heads on spikes. I have to say it very quietly in case there are children listening because people complain. They go, what do you mean there's heads on spikes? You know, you go... And also they have a number of Mickey Mouses. But they they have to be out in the park at different times. So in other words, when there's when there's one area of the park, Mickey's out there. The other one has to sit behind and have a cup of cocoa. So he sits there, and then they go, okay, one one's gone inside, one come one one's coming out, and they have to do it. So when when the, when when the big parade comes down, they've got to get all the cast characters off the streets. Why? Because they all feature in the big parade, and they're already up there on the float. So you can't have two Mickeys. Kids would just be confused by something like that, wouldn't they? You remember that girl we told you about yesterday? This is uh, Jane Champion, 
This, this is the one whose parents have been jailed because they beat her up and beat her boyfriend up because he was black and she was going out and they said she brought shame on the family. And uh, anyway, she, she's, she's staying with him in his tiny flat in the city. Never get big flats, do you? They never go staying in his multi-millionaire playground flat. No, he's staying in a tiny little place and uh, he's only a waiter, so it's doomed from the start, isn't it? You know, there's no point in marrying a waiter or going out with a waiter. They don't earn any money. Well, tell a lie, actually. They get it in tips, don't they? Which they don't declare. They don't... They, they, I don't think waiters declare tips and the stuff like that. Um, fans have started a fund in the name of Gary Barlow's stillborn baby. I don't know why. I really don't know why. Um, I mean, it's, to be honest with you, they, they, they say here that they want... Um, it's on behalf of fans of Gary Barlow United. They hope to raise £100,000 for stillbirth and neonatal death charity SANS. This is... Let me just get this right. I don't want to in any way sort of put, you know, sort of cast it down. This is Gary Barlow who uses offshore, like Jimmy Carr, £23 million put offshore. So he could actually... It's not being mean. That's the case. I mean, he could actually set up his own charity, couldn't he? He's, I mean, he's got the money for it. I don't think he need fans of Gary Barlow. And, uh, you know, it's tragic. This, unfortunately, happens for a lot of people every year. And unless you're a celebrity, nobody cares about you. Nobody really bothers about you. You just have to go through it in the best way you can. I was talking to a, a priest the other day, a vicar, and we were asking him about, you know, how difficult it is when you do uh, funerals for little children. And he said, well, it's difficult. He said, but we're there to offer advice. You know, we always say, say to the family, what would you like us to advise you on? He said, because nothing gets you through the death of a child. It's, it's worse. You know, if it's an elderly person, with all due respect to elderly people, you've kind of had a long life. If you're a child... You know, a little boy or a little girl, it doesn't matter what it is, or a stillborn. You, you haven't even started to live, have you? You've had nothing. And that's when you probably start questioning your own faith and start going, if there is a God, how come there's murderers and paedophiles and rapists allowed to walk this earth? And there's one just been released from prison again, a murderer, because they go, he's, he's, he's been on good behaviour. And yet, you know, God will allow a little child to die. I've never quite understood the argument that Christians put up for it, because I don't believe a word of it. You know, I always think, well, if there is a God, how come that child's died and this murdering scum? And like, like the people... Remember I told you about that poor lady yesterday who was attacked in her home? And, and I said at the time, what sort of scum would attack a lady of 73, strip her and do this, this boarding thing? Which I'd never even... I mean, I'd heard of it, but I, didn't, I wouldn't know what it was. And they poured boiling water down her back to get her to reveal a safe number. What sort of scum would that be? You know, we've all got a rough idea. Apparently, according to the police, they reckon that they'll be uh, they'll be arrested very shortly. The reason being, somebody will go, that is the most cowardly act you could ever do. That is the most cowardly thing, to attack a 73-year-old woman. I mean, it's, it's going to be men, isn't it? It's going to be men. And it's going to be a case of, you know, what sort of person would do that? When they find them, as I said yesterday, I hope they hang them from the highest tree. I'll even open the trap door myself. Even do that for them. I'm that caring. Quarter past four. LBC 97.3. 7.3. London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. Apparently August is the month you find love. It's the most... What a load of old rubbish, isn't it? What a load of old toffee. It says here, relationship expert Lorraine Adams from a dating website. This, this, is, how, this, this, is, what the, this is what the plug is. This is where some little-known website, in an effort to get publicity, go and, go and get a, a survey done going, oh, August is the most romantic month ever. And, uh, and then they name the, 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 the website, and you think, it's a load of old toffee. It's a load of old rubbish. Any month is romantic. So uh, 
Apparently, 2% of single men and women hook up in January because it's cold. You know, what a dumb website this has got to be. It's so cold out there. They have to commission a thing. Nobody's interested. You want to find somebody, go to the local pub, get yourself completely plastered. You'll find somebody in about five minutes. That's the easiest way to find them. Don't bother standing in pubs chatting up to, you know, chat. Hello, you look lovely. You're wonderful. You know, it's a case of, listen, this is my car keys. You want to come now or not? You know? Get your coat, girl. You've pulled. All right. That's, a, that's the famous chatting up line, isn't it, in London? A friend of mine used to do that. He used to walk into bars. He'd see somebody he liked. And, and we'd barely got to the bar to order a drink. And he'd, he'd be waving his car keys at them. And he'd go, I'll, I'll see you later. I'd go, right, OK, then. So I'd be left standing there, like the proverbial sort of, you know, last turkey in the shop at Christmas, looking around thinking, oh, my God, I'm very scared, I want to go home. But he was really good at it. Some people are excellent. And it's that, it's that approach, isn't it? It's a case of, listen, do you want to come home with me or not? Because if you don't, I'm not going to waste my time buying you drinks all night. You know, can we go out for dinner? Or no, we can't go out for dinner. Are you coming home or are you not coming home? OK? This is London. I'm terribly sorry. I'm 58. I don't have enough time to start messing around with people who want to go out for dinner. Would you like to meet my parents? No, I don't. If I'd wanted to go to the cemetery, would have done it before we started eating. You know, you don't, you know, it's, it's just, it's just terribly, right? Now, I talk about my friend, 58, not me, 50, good God, it never, blimey. I'll tell you, if I was 58, I'd be sitting here, you'd be talking, listening to a pile of dust, I'm afraid. And so, they, so they've got this, this website. A third of people using dating agencies start a new relationship in August. Yeah, because by that time, they're desperate, they'll pick anybody up. You know, because dating agencies cost you a fortune. Whereas I say, go and take all your clothes off, go and stand outside. You'll find somebody in seconds. I promise you. It's always worked for me. Always worked for me. You know, if I'm feeling, you know, a bit quiet on a Friday night, I take everything off, except my pants, and go and stand outside. It's amazing how quickly you can attract attention. It's amazing how quickly the local police are on the scene. You know, say, Stephen, would would you like to maybe put some clothes on? Well, I don't know, Sam. I don't know. Should I put some clothes on or should I not? And then we found the stupidest couple. There's always a stupid couple. Do you remember there was a a stupid woman last year, the year before, and she was playing on the ice with her daughter in a pushchair up at Highgate? It's a frozen pond, but it wasn't that frozen, and she's pushing a pram around on it. The thickest woman in the world. We found another stupid couple. We found the dumbest couple ever. Here they are. They're in the sun today, and they're on London's Tower Bridge. And they've got a little girl. And they stand her on the on the balustrade. She's a little tiny girl. They're not holding her. They're not. If she slipped because it was a bit wet and fell off, she'd be dead in seconds. And this dumb couple here, and they look a bit stupid. There's no two ways about it. This little girl is on here in little Wellingtons, little pink wellies, little pink outfit. Father looking a bit dumb. Mum, I'm assuming it's mum, not even bothering to look at her. And you look at this girl who's like 30 feet up in the air. An onlooker, who handed his photo to the son, said, I couldn't believe it. She must have been standing there for two or three minutes. The dad of two alerted the police. And uh, the police can't do anything about it. You know, if the girl falls off and drowns, well, then you charge them. But uh, they're quite clearly dumb, dumb and dumber, I'm afraid. 30 feet above the temp, this little girl who looks about two Actually, I tell lies, she could be three or four, something like that. But uh, a police officer said here, in these situations, we offer words of advice, like, you're thick as planks. Have a look at them. They'll be identified by, by tomorrow. We will, we will name it. They go, oh, no, we were quite capable of grabbing her. Stupid pair, honestly. Never seen such dumb people in your entire life. The mum has got one of those silly little bags around her neck, and the father looks like he's really dressed down for the occasion. And she's standing, this little child, on something that's about a foot and a half wide. <coughs> really, really dangerous. 
really, really. But there again, you can't you can't tell stupid people, can you? You can only advise them, and as the police say, we we can just advise and say, you know, this is this is uh, not really the thing you do, because people took pictures of it, and uh, they've decided you're stupid. A bit dumb, actually. It's almost like child cruelty, isn't it? Because if you, I mean, we used to do it as kids. Your dad had stashed there, but they were holding you. They would hold you. This couple have just left. A mother, a mother would say, not even looking at her. Apparently, telling lies can make you ill. What a load of old coswallop. What a load of old coswallop. Honest people. Who's this one through? Let's have a fun. There you go. It comes from America. It was presented to a psychologist convention. You'll never meet a more bunch of barking mad people than psychologists. They are off their trolleys, most of them. So it found honest people who avoid telling lies enjoy better physical and mental health. Oh, what a lot do they do to... Do you know, honestly, what are they, drunk or something? So, in other words, if, if, if you don't tell lies in your life, you're going to live to be a ripe old age. What a load of codswallop. What a load... It's like doctors, isn't it? Yes, you're really going to get better. No, you're not. No, no, no. Move them to a side ward. Uh, yes, it's, everything's looking good. Everything's fine. Move them, move them quickly. Move them quickly. Uh, yes, you won't have any pain there. Ah! Oh, sorry, I told a fib on that one. You know, it's like, are, are these cakes fresh? Absolutely, madam. Made them today myself. Liar. You're going to die early. So that's... I mean, to be honest with you, I was told telling, telling fibs is... Sometimes you have to tell fibs, don't you? If somebody says, how are you? You go, I'm fine. And then you always follow it up with, why, do I look ill? Somebody say to me upstairs in the office, say, how are you? And I go, why? And they go, just ask. You go, yeah, but for what reason? Do I look, do I look ill? You know, am I looking particularly pale today or something like that? People always inquire about your health. It's a British thing. And yet the moment you start talking about your illnesses, they wander off. You know, people say to me, so how are you feeling? I go, well, started in about 1973. Well, by the time I get to 1980, they're, they're practically dead in front of me. They're out of boredom. Start telling people your illnesses. Uh, what else have we got in the paper today? Oh, so the... Um... I don't know, there's some all sorts of people here. This is a bloke called Ensa. You remember him. This is the restaurant worker, Ensa Gol, the Turkish murderer. This is the one who cut his boyfriend's head off or something like that. I mean, to be honest with you, I don't know really why we waste time. I'm, I'm a little bit, you know, sort of hang em and flog em brigade, I'm afraid. I can't understand why in Denmark they're wasting time on a court case with a bloke who goes out and massacres all those kids. I'd have had him hanging from a gibbet within five minutes. What's the, why are you wasting time with something like that? But they're so lenient over there, and they so want to understand it, they let him sit there and tell jokes and have a good old laugh at it, while the families of whose children he murdered, I'm surprised nobody's taken him out in the court. I can never understand it. I never understand why we waste time on court cases. That's why the Nuremberg trials were so interesting. I remember reading the book on the Nuremberg trials and watching them on, on, uh, on DVD, and at the end of it, the time they'd actually decided that people were actually guilty, it was, it was a case of, well, you'll be taken from here and executed. No hanging around at all. Same as the Ceausescu's. I mean, I couldn't have been more delighted to watch them being executed. Unfortunately, they didn't think it was going to be that quick. I think they thought that they would go back to prison after the death sentence was pronounced, and then eventually there would be some sort of process but uh, no, they were taken outside the courthouse the moment the sentence was pronounced. They shot him first of all, and they took her out and shot her as well. Vile couple. Should have done the same to Imelda Marcos, as far as I was concerned. A woman who systematically robbed a country blind and yet lives in unparalleled luxury in America. You know, where did she get the money from? They thieved it. They thieved it. We have people in this country. But because they bring in loads of money, people go, oh, forget it. Doesn't really matter. Doesn't matter, does it? They've got lots of money and they're good for the economy. 
Whereas the only thing that's good for the economy at the moment is our medal winners. Our, tw- you know, our 22 gold medals from people who've burst into tears and we've cried and they've cried. And they're good. Couldn't give a stuff about footballers. Couldn't give a stuff about whether you can find love, you know, in, in August or whether you can find it in September. Not interested. More interested in the fact that we're third. Third! In the medal tables. Us. Little old Angleterre. The country that people go, oh, you can't do anything. No, we can't play football because that's a bunch of girls. We can't, and to be honest with you, I don't want to be rude, but, you know, a bunch of women playing football, I'm afraid. I can't quite get my head around it. Even though I used to go and support a women's football team donkeys years ago, about, well, it doesn't matter how many years ago, it was quite a few years ago, because in, in our little village in Yorkshire, there was a women's football team. Strangely, there wasn't a blokes football team. There was a women's football team, and all the women of the village played. So we didn't, we didn't think anything about it. But now you sort of watch it, and, the, and they do look at slightly butch, most of them. It tends to be, you know, there are certain things which, which should be in the Olympics and certain things which shouldn't be in the Olympics. And as far as I'm concerned, football's one of them. Carol McGiffin has a column in a, in a magazine. And uh, she says here, there's no chance of pillow talk. It's another one of these surveys. A scientific reason why men fall asleep straight after SEX has been discovered. Apparently, the male brain switches off after sex. I don't think some of them were switched on during sex. Do you? And she says it doesn't switch off again until the next time we have a bit of How's Your Father. And she likes uh, Arge and Gemma. Well, I suppose because she feels comfortable in the company of, of Gemma, who's as big as a whale. And they say she's the show's most popular character. No, she's not. She's absolutely not. She's an idiot who can't, can't string two words together. I mean, she couldn't hold her own in a discussion about the lottery, which reminds me, did anybody win last night? 138, 148 million, whatever it was. But uh, she doesn't. Uh, she doesn't like uh, Arge. He's an idiot. He was always. He's not an idiot whose star is waning. He never had a star to start with. It was a lovely piece in in one of the magazines. I was reading it earlier on, and it's where's it gone to? It was about some of the the girls from the Only Wears Essex. They've got little Ricky Raymond, who's was a little bit of a little bit of a strange one, I'm afraid. And uh, he, he, he went to the Duke of Essex's polo trophy. Now, I don't want to be rude to the Duke of Essex's polo trophy, but it's Essex polo, and it's low rent. It's not the kind of thing the royal family attend. It's full of naff chavs. That's exactly what it is. You know, you wouldn't get anybody like Prince Harry or William or any of the big uh, polo teams going anywhere near it. It's chav stuff. But, uh, but the chavs love turning up for it. So you've got all the bleach bimbos down there. And it's just an embarrassment to look at. You've never seen, you know, so many old, old faces on young bodies. I mean, there's a, there's a piece here. It's actually done by Tanya Gold. Now, Tanya Gold generally writes some quite feisty stuff. And I don't know which uh, magazine this is in. But, uh, but she's, she's got here a picture of Ricky Raymond... Uh, uh, keeping up appearances at a beauty salon run by Lauren Goodyear. Well, she spends most of her time crawling out of nightclubs, so when she runs this place, I've got no idea. But some of the other bimbos that turn up for this stuff, I mean, it really, it's like, bring out, bring out your dead. It's really embarrassing. But she does this great item where, um, where she talks about the people down there. She goes into a, into a nightclub, and there's Lauren Poppy. And so she goes up and she says to Lauren Poppy, I'm a journalist, I'm doing a feature. And Lauren Poppy goes, I don't want to talk to journalists. You know, because she's a bit like that. It's quite funny, actually. But um, um, they they talk about Ricky Raymond and how successful he is. It's a shame he looks like such a plank, really. It's such a shame. How to look like a complete and utter dork. But apparently, she says here, before the only way is Essex, Ricky worked in the city. Probably a barrow boy or something like that worked in the city. And bought his first flat aged 18 because that's the Essex way. (laughs) 
What a load of old cobblers. It really is. Both he and little Chris's fathers are self-made and rich. Little Chris spent much of his childhood sunbathing in the Caribbean, while Ricky's dad owns two houses in Florida. God, how naff. How naff. Two houses in Florida. Oh, whoopee-doo. That's ex- You know, you could pick up a house for 60 grand out there. So when somebody goes, I've got two houses in Florida, just, j- just have a quiet laugh to yourself. It's LBC 97.3. We're caring this morning. It's 4.30. <laughs> Alan. Actually, the more you read this Tanya Gold article, the funnier it becomes, because she's obviously decided to infiltrate Essex and the bimbos that uh, that uh, that sort of feature on the front of all the magazines. And so anyway, so she, she's with Ricky Raymond, who quite clearly you know, embodies everything that's naff about Essex, I'm afraid. And uh, and then they, they go to this pub. And there she is, Lauren Goodger, sitting under a tree. And so uh, Ricky goes, Lauren, come here! Because that's the way, they, that's the way they, they talk to their women down there. And, uh, and so she goes over there. She said, I can only presume, you know, in, in, the way she's walking, that her, her vajazzling is chafing. Her face is round and incandescently shiny. She wears blue shorts and a white shirt. Her fingernails are weaponized. She looks chubby, grubby, sexy and lost. <laughs> this is poor old Lauren Goodger. It's the fishwife. Anyway, she has an agent. She has an agent, and the agent is Max Clifford. So at the moment, Tanya Gold goes, listen, I'm a, I'm a journalist. She goes, I got for my agent. Because she talks like that. She's about a three-year-old mentality. So she phones Max, and Max goes, no. Because obviously, you know, they're only doing interviews for it if there's money involved. And for, you know, for, I mean, I don't know why people embody this kind of crap culture, which is called now, because this woman has nothing to contribute. She went to, um, she went to um, uh, launch her fake tan, Nobody turned up for it. Nobody's interested. You've only got to look at them and you realise that they're all slightly odd and peculiar. They're all, you know, if not a little bit lonely. But the whole of Essex has changed over the years. When it started with Norman Tebbit in the 80s, the man who quite rightly said, and everybody's criticised him for it, get on your bike. Now, of course, we're getting on our bike and it's working really well. The Olympics, I mean, you know, who'd have thought that Norman Tebbit would actually have had that much insight? Then we've got Harry Enfield. He did loads of money. And that, that was the way that Essex was embodied. And so if, if you drive up and down, you know, Brentwood High Street in a flash car, all the boys stand and go, yeah, I've got a car like that. You know, it's like wicked. And all they've got, in fact, is a little cinquecento with blacked out windows and they've got some lights underneath the back of it. Then, of course, in the 90s, you had well-known cokehead Danielle Westbrook, who I spent time on a coach with at the height of her cokeness. I know, it was thrilling. It was, it was unbelievable. She spent the whole time... She was going out with the bloke... For, she was going out with Brian Harvey at the time and spent most of the time, because they were both off their faces. For quite, and we had that whole... The whole journey was her on her blooming mobile phone, crying her eyes out. And then, of course, we had all the problems. I don't know why these people take to drugs. I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful that I never did drugs. I tell a lie. I tell a lie. I did. I tell a lie. I did Halliborange. I used to do it on a regular basis. And paracetamol, and now I do loads and loads of drugs. Um, and then you had White Van Man. And, and for that, read Naf Chavs and Bikies, because they've generally got bikes in the back. Uh, then you got Posh Spice, and it kind of changed a little bit. But she was the only reason they called her Posh is because her dad, an electrician, took her to school in a second hand Rolls Royce. So that, 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 was, that was why she was called Posh. Then you got Darren Day who sort of, you know, embodied everything. He also had his fair share of drugs and all the rest of it, and women. Oh, I lost track of the amount of women Darren Day went out with. But then most women like going out with sort of... I mean, because Darren Day at least could sing and dance. People like little Ricky Raymond and, little, you know, and all the little boys and girls, and most of them appear a bit girly in The Only Way is Essex, don't actually do anything. They don't actually, you know, have 
have a particular talent. And that's why, as we said yesterday, and the day before, and the day before that, the people who should be the role models are the people in the Olympics, the people who've worked for it, the people who've strived for perfection. Some old bimbo like Lauren Goodger and Sam for ears, they, they have no career. They might make a bit of money. Let's face it, Chantel Houghton, you know, is exactly the embodiment of naffness in this country. A woman who's now having to date a tranny who couldn't even make his marriage to uh, the, oh, that old has-been. What's that? Who's the one with the old face? Oh, Jordan. Sorry, I knew, I knew something like that. Couldn't remember who it was, actually. Uh, the woman who you see her without the makeup on, you go, woo, scary, scary. But luckily she's found an Argentinian, because most of those are particularly desperate. So she's managed to find one, which is great. He hardly speaks English. She doesn't speak Argentinian. It's fantastic. Uh, no UK winner, Steve, on the Euro Millions, but three people won one million seven hundred thirty-six thousand three hundred seventeen and no pence, for five numbers and one star ball. One mi- Ooh, that's nice, isn't it? So it means rolls over again. Rolls over again. God, what are we up to now? About 150, 160 million or something. I love it. I love it. The best thing about early weekday mornings is listening to the Steve Allen Show on LBC 97.3. I must apologise yesterday. I, I tweeted, because you can follow me on Twitter, at Steve Allen Show. And I, I, I tweeted a couple of things. I took some more pictures of the hanging baskets. And it didn't send them. Now, I don't know why it didn't send them. So I shall try and find out later on today. I must have done something wrong, but I thought I'd actually uh, sorted it. Uh, Brian says, read the dating agency. On TV, the adverts always feature a beautiful, trendy young woman and a handsome bloke. Why would these people need a dating agency? They don't. They don't. They, 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 it's, you know, because they don't put important ugly people on there, is there? That's why they can't find a date. If they're, if, you know, that's why they go, I'm single. You go, I'm not at all surprised. I always tell people, they go, I, I can't find anybody. I go, well, have you looked in the mirror? There's no point in lying to it. You've got to be honest about it. Mel the Milkman says, he says, why on earth people like you not in government? Well, because now, have you noticed, we have celebrity politicians. Louise Mensch was a celebrity politician. In fact, as some columnist pointed out in the paper today, you weren't sure whether she was doing something for the community or the community was doing something for her. Because the whole thing just turned into one giant PR exercise. That's all it was. It was Louise Mensch here, Louise Mensch there. I mean, she wasn't particularly brave. So she'd written a few books... I mean, I knew exactly who she was beforehand. And then she, uh, she gets off with this, uh, this man who manage, ma- uh, manages Metallica. Well, like 90% of you listening will never have... Name three hits of Metallica, thank you very much indeed. You can't. It's a bit like Morrissey. It was interesting that Duncan Barks... It came as no surprise to me that Duncan was a, was a Smiths fan. He didn't, he didn't... I mean, but he wasn't really a true Smiths fan. He, he just knew, a, he knew the name of one album which I thought was copping out, because you could have picked that up from the internet quite quickly. And uh, I always thought Morrissey was just a bit dreary, I'm afraid. I was never a Morrissey fan. I thought he was just a, a pompous old windbag. A bit like me, actually, really. except I can't sing. I didn't think he could sing either. Uh, one here uh, says, uh, the executioner's job would suit you. It's a bit like radio. Nobody gets to see your face. Yeah, but unfortunately, people do get to see your face now because of the internet. Oh, I'd love to be the executioner. Years ago, you didn't see the executioner's face. It was covered up in the same way that when they used to do public executions in London, the, the person being executed never saw the axe because it was hidden under the straw. And if you think about it, if you were standing right in front and the head was in... You know, you really don't want to stand there because there's going to be kind of a lot of blood going out when they chop the head off. So when they did Charles I... And I was watching The Seven Ages of Britain the other day, which is this Dimbleby programme where he goes round and shows you some of our treasures. And when he goes to the Museum of London, he goes downstairs and they, they go into the vaults and they open this drawer. And in there is what purports to be, he says, is the execution shirt worn by Charles I for his execution. And the dark stains on there are the blood. 
And I'm thinking, well, it might be a good story. I would like to think it was true. I would like to think that after he was executed, there was a picture done because they sewed the head back on again. And, and then he was, he was buried that way. Normally, of course, they, they, they didn't. They had a coffin on, the, on the, the platform thing. But the amount of blood that would have come out would have been a horrendous amount. And this doesn't look like there was too much on there. And the shirt is in very good condition. Now, I mean, I might be totally wrong. I mean, I've always told people that it's, you know, it is the execution shirt. It's not on display, but it is a fantastic piece of, of history. They still have Anne Boleyn's hair slide that she used on when she was being executed to keep her head up. Let's keep her hair up. So she had long hair. Everybody had long hair in those days because they didn't have the local barbers. You know, you didn't pop down for a shampoo and set, you know, on a Thursday if you were the Queen. You just sort of tried to sort of get rid of all the lice and everything else in your hair by the best means possible. And when she was being executed, so that the execution could see her neck, she tied her hair back and she put this grip in, which held the hair there, and they have that. They still have that hair grip, which I think is amazing. I think that's absolutely amazing that we've got stuff like that. It was like when, when they discover the pyramids, you know, and you look at Carter and, uh, and they said, listen, you, you have to come home. We've run out of money. And they went, oh, it's just one more day. They went, listen, come back. There's nothing going to happen here at all. And then they start digging around in the Valley of the Kings and they find this step and then and they sweep a bit and they find another step and then find another step. And when they get to the bottom, the door's still sealed. And they go, hmm... So they open the door. Oh, it's a bit like grave robbing, but on a, on a modern-day kind of thing. And, and he goes through, and they, they're in a, a chamber, and it's, it's still sealed. So they knock through a hole in the wall, and they then go, can you see anything? And he goes, wonderful things, wonderful things. I mean, it was amazing. I mean, the, you imagine you've been searching for ages to find some fantastic... You have no idea... What you're going to find. You have not a clue. You go out treasure hunting, and that was the whole idea of people going out with their metal detectors. Because they had no idea what they... Were they going to find another Sutton Hoo treasure? Were they going to find bagfuls of gold? What were they going to find out there? The answer is they didn't know. And when they did find it, that would be absolutely fantastic. That would be fantastic. And so he then goes through, and they, they get into the, into the chamber, the first chamber in Tutankhamun's tomb, and they didn't know whose it was. But there's bits of furniture. For some reason, the furniture was broken. And I could only assume that over the years, after it had been sealed up, uh, it must have just crumbled. But there were loads of things which were intact, so they start taking all this stuff out. And then they go through, then they find another chamber, and then they find this huge sarcophagus, right in the middle of all this. And they have no idea, but they, they film, and I've seen the film of it, of them lifting the first lid. Because this thing is, weighs a tonne. A tonne! They lift it up, and then, then there's another one. So they lift that one, and there, there is what they think the face of Tutankhamun. What they don't realise is they're not looking at the final death mask, they're looking at the one that's on top of the death mask. And it isn't until they lift that mask off that the gold comes through and everything, and they then go, blimey. And that's why, if you go onto the internet and you do the, uh, the Cairo Museum, they've got Tutankhamun's mask. Admittedly, because it's a bit old now, there are bits of it which are falling off, but it's still the most fantastic thing you'll ever see. I mean, I love that idea. I love that idea that people still find treasures, and they still reckon that there are loads of tombs to discover in the Valley of the Kings. I've always wanted to go. I've never been. I've always just quite fancied going there. But the trouble is, it's, it's not the safest place, Egypt, is it? You know, and I'd, if I'm going to go there, I'd quite like a private tour of the tombs. Because on some of them, I've, I've been onto the internet. And I've looked, if you actually type on Google, inside the Great Pyramid, 
they show you all the photographs of inside the Great Pyramid and how these things were built. It's phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. It's wonderful. Robin Clapham says, all the athletes they talk to after these events all seem such great people. Let's hope young people look up to these great role models rather than these vile football wags who seem full of their own self-importance. They're bimbos. You don't take, you don't take any notice of what Lauren Pope or Lauren Goodyear say. Nobody's interested. Nobody gives a flying forex about them. They're bimbos. They're just there to serve a purpose. Eventually, you know, I mean, most of them, I mean, when I see pictures, and if you, if you, if you read this article, which is uh, really good about the country set, and they've got the bimbos who go to this, this cheap Essex polo, and you look at some of the clothes that they're wearing, I mean, it really is low rent. It really is. It's, it's a lot of bleach blonde peroxide, a lot of women with their boobs hanging out, and a lot of women looking as miserable as sin because they're, because they're cheap. And also, blokes with tattoos. I'm ever so sorry, but at Polo, blokes with tattoos. Only the cheap end of the market, I'm afraid. The sort of place that Jordan would go to would be cheap end of the market. They wouldn't want her at high end at all. All this rubbish about dressage. And Nobody wants her anywhere near them. It's, it's just low rent. So anybody who turns up, you know, two things, and they've got tattoos. I mean, I was standing at the bus stop. Oh, lovely bus stop yesterday. Oh, lovely, lovely, lovely story. I, I, I walk... I don't know why, but I walked down the road to the Strand to get on the bus at the Strand. And, and I get down there, and the bus comes along. It's the 176 to Penge. And uh, a bloke gets on before me, very well well dressed, very smart, blonde hair and all the rest of it. It could have been about 45, something like that. It could have, well, it might have been 35, 40. And he gets on the bus, and I've got an Oyster card, which I hold against the machine, and it goes, bing, or whatever it does. And he held up a card. And so he holds up, shows it to the driver, but he walks straight past it. Down, straight past. And I do my... And the driver goes, Oi! Because he was a bit like that. He goes, Come back. Of course the bloke ignores him. He goes... And so I go, Excuse me, I think he's talking to you. So back he comes. He goes, Card. And so the bloke shows him. And the bloke goes, It's out of date. It's out of date. He said, Today's the 7th. He said, That says the 5th, doesn't it? And the bloke goes... Oh, yeah, you're blimey, you're right. He said, that's why you walked straight past me. He said, because you knew. And so the bloke has to get and he's wearing his suit and everything else. And you think, you fraudulent old crook, you. You were hoping you just walk past somebody quickly and hold up the card. But then, lo and behold, there's three blokes in the paper today. Three blokes in the paper. And they've been fraudulently travelling first class on the trains. Businessmen. Businessmen sitting first class. And because what they'd done is they'd forged... That, and they'd forge the car park pass. We'll name and shame the old crooks this morning on LBC 97.3. Such a good morning, it really is. This is LBC 97. Julie says, uh, I won't take offence at your comments about the Aussies in London. Well, the fact they're all drunk. We can't really take offence at the truth, can you? I mean, goodness sake. That's all the Aussies do in London. They all, all kind of talk like that, you know, mate. And uh, they're all camper vans. And uh, and all the, all the all the girls, I don't know where they look like they've eaten Bondi Beach. I don't know they've been on it. And, and the blokes are all a little. It's funny actually. Every time we see an image of Australians, don't we? We see the pictures of the of the lifesavers, all wearing their little speedos, all queuing up. And yet the fat, overblown, fat Aussies in London look completely different. Completely different. You know the ones falling out of the bars. You know the ones always got the Larry shirts on. They never bother to shave. Very grubby nation. And, uh, and that's why they haven't done very well at the Olympics, because only smart people get through, people who really train. You know, being able to drink 12 pints of the amber nectar ain't going to win you any medals, let me tell you. But um, she says, but they are just like the Poms when they're in Oz. Oh, absolutely. Oh, ab- listen, as far as I'm concerned, you know, the, uh, the convict ships going over to Australia, best place to send them. Best pl- I wouldn't want to go to Australia. I wouldn't mind going just for a day. And unfortunately, it's so far away. 
It's so far away uh, that it's just... It's, it would be easier for me to go to Mars, ladies and gentlemen. Mars is much... You know, because it's only 542 million miles away. And I thought, you know, we could fill up the tank, have a little little poodle along, go to Mars and see if there's anything taking place there. Which, of course, there, there probably isn't, I'm afraid. Uh, 84850. I can't believe about the parents, Steve, who put the little girl on the bridge. I think they should... Uh, have had the child permanently removed from their care for her own safety. Well, if you look at the picture in the sun today, I mean, they are the stupidest pair. As stupid as that mother on the ice. You know, what would happen if the ice had broken that uh, that last winter? Because it, it wasn't that cold out there. And people see ice, and you still get stupid people, don't you, that go on to ice and go, oh, I'm going to walk across this frozen lake. And you think, are you that stupid? You know, there's a very good chance you're going to drown, you're going to fall through the ice and not get back. It's like, you know, dogs fall in... And then owners go in after them. And you think, no, the dog can get itself out. The owner never can. Dogs can get out dead easy out of ice. Yeah, they can. Either that or they drown. You know, I mean, what the hell? It's only a dog, for goodness sake. You're not going to risk your own. You can go and buy another one. There's loads of them. Loads of dogs at the Battersea Dogs Home. Always looking for a good home where the owners don't take them anywhere near frozen ponds. Uh, Andy uh, is the right family. And uh, he says, uh, up late in Florida. Been on our holiday for a month and missed listening live. God, a month's holiday. That's pretty good, isn't it? A month's holiday. And that's what I call a good holiday. A good holiday is, is, is a month, actually. Uh, and Vincent says, you've now got me watching The Only Way is Essex in the mornings. What intrigues me? Do they ever do any work? They all look perfect. Perfect teeth, which cost money. And I read somewhere they get about 80 quid a day for appearing on the show. That kind of money would not fund their appearance and lifestyle. Or have I got it wrong? Well, no, they, I mean, uh, to be honest with you, this, this tooth whitening thing has got a bit stupid and a bit out of hand. I turned on the Matthew Wright show the other day. He started looking a bit chav. You know, he's now had his teeth whitened. And it just looks peculiar. It, I mean, in Essex, they seem to have gone the wrong colour. And, of course, the moment the show finishes, they're all... That's it. They're all out. The shops will close left, right and centre. You know, Amy Child, somebody wrote to me yesterday and said, I've just seen Amy Child. You know, I never believed that she was as thick as you said she was. So I saw it on this morning. And there she was, you know, doing some... I mean, she really is dim. I mean, th- there's nothing sexy about Amy Child at all. Nothing sexy about it. In fact, actually, all the girls in The Only Way is Essex, there's nothing sexy about these people at all. That's why they have to go out with boys who wear more makeup than they do. There's a great booklet upstairs, is that Amy Child showing how to put on a fake tan. Oh, God. Is it a book or, a, or is it a pamphlet? It's a pamphlet. Amy Child, how lovely. I mean, the, the, the reason that they make money on the show is because they get paid 80 quid a day, which is OK. You can get by on 80 quid a day. Thank you very much indeed. And, uh, and they become famous. But the trouble is they start believing the publicity. So you see Lauren Goodger and you go, oh, I'm a journalist doing a piece on this. After my agent. And so she phones her agent, who's Max Clifford, who goes, no, you know, it's not an approved interview. So, so Tanya Gold writes about it anyway, because then she's got a story saying she has to phone her agent. She said, so then after Max had said no, you know, she said she, she, she carried on doing a job and Lauren Goodger sat under a tree glaring at her. And you think, oh, grow up, Lauren. Nasty little piece of work. Not as nasty as the housewives of New York City. <gasps> they are vile. I'd forgotten just how awful they were. I mean, it's just... It's just awful. Actually, look at the picture of Ricky Raymond, who likes... I mean, I, I, you know... I'm, I'm trying to think of something good to say about him. He's not at all attractive. He looks like he dyes his eyebrows. He's had his teeth whitened, and quite clearly he's had some sort of waxing going on. And in the end of it, he just looks like a blob. But I can't remember who he's... Is he the one going out with, with Lauren? 
Or is he going... Oh, he's going up with Jessica... Ra- oh, my God, fathers. That's a match made in hell, isn't it, I should imagine. But it's, you must read this article, because it's so funny. And they've got little Chris Drake uh, here as well. He's another one. They're desperately unattractive, these people. The article's from the Sunday Times. Ah, that's why. I couldn't work out... Because I was thinking whether or not it's... Uh, it was taken from a low-rent magazine. And then I suddenly realised... Uh, that because Tanya Gold writes for the Times, and they say here the Towie boys give us their in-depth guide to being a real Essex man uh, at the SundayTimes.co.uk forward slash Essex. But th- it's all to do with what you've got, or what it's. Well, actually, it's not because most normal people don't operate like that. Uh, nobody actually knows what sort of Ricky Raymond does for a living. I'm assuming professional idiot. And uh, Joey Essex, does he actually have a job? I don't think so. No. Does little Chris have a job? No, he doesn't. And, uh, and who's who's the one? Uh, who's the one? Oh, Joey Essex. Then you've got Silly Arge. Does Arge have a job? What does what, what he? What? Nothing. There is no job these people have because they make their money by selling their interviews to magazines. And so technically, you become a little bit like Chantel Houghton, you know. And you you sell yourself. You know, if if you're an actress and your work dries up, then you pitch up on a reality show. And then once you've started on that circuit, uh, like a bit like bit like the Kardashians in America. You know, you have a reality show. Um, and the spin-offs from that are that you pop up on all sorts of shows. And then you get the, uh, the Osborne family. And you get uh, Mum, two foul-mouthed children who really are just low rent. And a father who's off his trolley. You know, and they all have to put up with dogs all over the place and it's just vile. But it was the language, you know, here they are. Here's the Osbournes, all very funny indeed. The fat one, oh, that'll be both the children. And there was a picture the other day, and I think it pitched up on ITV, of Kelly Osbourne. What has she done, they say? She's bleached her eyebrows. And she did it for some magazine article. So somebody wrote about it, and then she wrote foul language, saying, oh, if you don't like it, then I'm going to keep it so it really you off. And you think, you are a stupid little fat blob, aren't you? Nobody actually, in the, in the real, you know, event of things, nobody gives a stuff about the Kardashians. Nobody gives a stuff about Ricky Raymond. Nobody gives a stuff about Jordan. It's, you know, it's like Peter Andre doing another episode of his dreary, God knows you want to slash your wrists, show on the television. I mean, he does love his kids, though. And that's great, because he exploits them at every opportunity, because he loves his kids. He really, really loves his kids. But frankly, for the rest of us, it's such a dull, boring life. It's absolutely ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Uh, 84850, uk. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. LBC 97.3. And uh, every going, fantastic. Do keep talking about The Only Way is Essex. I mean, it, it is get And also, I have to do it. I have to do it. I have to, I have to get, get the money. Have, have to get the money in. And so as long as they actually keep paying me, you know, on the old backhanders, I've got to keep talking about it. It's the only way. Uh, uh, Gary says, I saw you on, on YouTube yesterday. And, uh, yes, I, was, I made a building out of food, actually. Yes. He says, I didn't realise you were young once. What, you think you come into the world at an old age? My God, the, the thicker they get, the more they're in Mitcham, aren't they? Dumb, 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 and then you get Gary, poor soul. Uh, I'm very impressed at your excellent knowledge about Tutankhamun, says Neil. I could listen to you for hours. I'm an expert on Egypt. I lived there for two years. And uh, it's so funny, actually. Somebody says here, Howard Carter didn't discover the pyramids. We didn't say he did discover the pyramids. We said he, he discovered Tutankhamun's tomb. 
I said I went onto YouTube and had... They really must listen properly. It's not... Honestly, you can't help some people, can you? I know it's five o'clock in the morning, but, you know, it's... it's. We didn't say he discovered the pyramids. He discovered Tutankhamun's tomb. He's buried in Chiswick Cemetery. I went down and saw his, his grave only a short while ago, actually. You do get some... You can't help some people who are a bit dim, who can't hear properly and have selective hearing, so... Never mind. Never mind. At least we've got you watching The Only Way is Essex. And the more money they give me, the more money I shall... Uh, the more I shall talk about it. Steve, we'd love you to come to Australia. People from Melbourne aren't hairy at all. I know, because they, they have, have cream over there, don't they, for taking all that sort of stuff off. I've, I've, I'm told that the women in Melbourne are the hairiest you're actually likely to find. Almost like a separate tribe, I think, over there. A separate tribe. I love the idea, actually, that uh, Australian women are hairy. And, uh, and Chris says, an immigration, you know, at immigration, they said, do you have a criminal record? I said, I didn't know you still needed one. It's an old gag. Actually, I love the programme on the television moment. And it's looking at, I think, immigration in, is it Melbourne at the airport, where people bring food in and you have to sign a thing. When you're on the aircraft, have you got any food? OK, food. For food, read food. If it goes in your mouth, food. And still... The Dumbos over there turn up. They open up cases of so much food. I mean, one woman had apples, oranges, and she went, I didn't think that applied. And he went, it says food. What, what is it about the word food you're not quite understanding? And I thought, these people actually managed to get there by aeroplane, probably buying a ticket. How did they manage? They don't. So they have dogs that sniff out food. And the dog sits there, and it can sniff an, op- an, an orange from 100 yards away, it gets really excited. And so they open this woman's suitcase, and she's got fruit. She's got soups that she's made. And she goes, I thought that was OK. And they go, but you've signed this card saying you've not brought any food in. So we're going to fine you $200. And then she bursts into tears, and I laugh. It's fantastic. I love programs like that. I really do. Anyway, here we go. Day, what is it, 12 of the Olympics? Day 12. More medals up for grabs at 22 gold medals. I mean, it's absolutely unbelievable. Well done, Team GB. I got off at the station yesterday. The train was heaving. There must have been something taking place down Windsor and Eaton Way. I don't know where, because the train was heaving with fans of Team GB. Waterloo Station, more people with Team GB T-shirts and uh, Union Jacks and flags and, oh, just amazing stuff. It really was. So, obviously, you're all getting up early to go and see something today. I wish you a pleasant day. The good news is the weather is going to be absolutely fantastic. News uh, is coming up at 5 o'clock with Sam Pittis on LBC 97.3. On FM... I'm glad you're all watching the Unreal Housewives of New York. Oh, dear, what a bunch of backstabbers. Ghastly, says Sasha. I'm horribly fascinated by Kelly and Jill. It's like the the gory compulsion to look at a traffic accident when you pass by. Oh, it's awful. And and, and the one, is it Ramona with the bug eyes? She's just, they're just horrible. Are they on drugs? Mind you, one of our people in this building, I, I don't want to mention who it is, is big on the Kardashians. Now, I can't... I haven't watched the Kardashians. I've only seen early ones, and then the whole thing took off, and I, I, I kind of lost interest. I, was, I, I didn't, didn't quite get into that. I've got enough to worry about with the housewives of Orange County, who all have... Uh, oh, she follows Kim as well. Oh, really? oh Lord. Kim Kardashian. Oh, Lord. Well, it gets worse, doesn't it? But uh, I, I, the, the real housewives of Orange County, that's the one with all the sons who are either in rehab or doing drugs because their mothers are so ghastly. That's the one where they all go, I'm going to leave the show. No, I'm going to stay. And then they all hate certain people and they all slag each other off on the television. And 
You know, because one of the girls went out with a bloke who, who died of cancer and they accused her of not being, you know, really in love with him. And you think, what's it got to do with you? Mind your own business, you nosy old bags. Dreadful. Sasha says, do you think the housewives are acting? Well, in the housewives of New York, I can't believe they're that vile. I mean, I seriously can't. They don't seem to have any money. They just seem to do charity events and sit down in empty restaurants you know, and have their, their painfully drawn out things. Then somebody's saying, oh, so-and-so's mad and she did this and she did... And you're thinking, and you're doing this on television. Do you not realise she's going to see it afterwards? I mean, I know in The Only Way is Essex, they're given a scenario and a script. They're, 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 they're following guidance from the film... Because you don't believe that they are that stupid, do you? Well, apart from Joey Essex, he can't help it. I mean, he is completely, you know... He's, he, he's down there with the three-year-olds, I'm afraid, and his sister... His sister as well. Another one with no, no talent. Nan, Nanny Pat, as I say, I'll hold her in the quicksand. Uh, and and the, fa- the whole of the right family. Just ghastly. Ghastly. But that's the way they come over on television. They can't help it. That's just the way they are. Apparently, somebody said, Ricky Raymond uh, works at a cheque-cashing shop in Romford. His dad owns it. Oh, God. That's, a, that's not high-end market, is it? I mean, if, 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 um, when you say cheque-cashing shop... That's, that's not the same as owning um, a pawnbroker's, where they take in lots of high-end stuff. A cheque-cashing shop. I wonder why he looked a bit dim. Because he's, he's had his teeth whitened, but to be honest, he doesn't look like he's got thruppence to rub together. Even little Joey Essex can't afford a proper car. He's got a little girl's car. Nobody's got a flash car in there. The only one who I think might have a reasonable flash car is, uh, is Mario Falcone, but, I mean, he's so boring. He is so dull. I mean, it's, he, is, he is, he's possibly the most boring person in there. That's why he actually gets on so well with Lucy Mecklenburg, because she's as dim as anything. She's got nothing to talk about. So I don't know whether or not the housewives are acting, because I can't believe that they can be this vile to each other. But they do, they do want to sort of stick, stick knives in each other's backs. But the, the ones in New York City, they have a woman who sort of... They all sort of float around. They're all a bit strange, really. I can't quite get to grips with what they do. They all have pokey little apartments. They seem to have different people who do things for them, and they go out. But I've not actually seen anybody spending any money. I don't really know what, what they actually do. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm really not, not too sure what they do for it. But that's the same in Essex, isn't it? If poor old Ricky Raymond works in a check-cashing thing, why doesn't one of the papers do a, a feature on that? That would be hilarious. That would be absolutely wonderful. Um, uh, Derek says, Angleterre, is that your name for the British Olympic team? Not all the athletes are English. British, matey. British! It's the British Olympic team. It's Team GB. That'll be the clue. Team GB. Great Britain. God, blimey, I don't know. But just as well you're over there, I suppose. Uh, on the subject of Marvin Hamlish, says Jeff, he got uh, an Oscar for The Way We Were. Uh, he also did Sophie's Choice, Ordinary People and Three Men and a Baby, did The Sting and Chorus Line. Yes, he was a very prolific, very successful songwriter, and he died the other day. I think he was... I think he was 68. I think he was 68. Uh, a lot of people... The papers... Uh, this this poor missing girl, Tia, she's not even really... Get, she's not even on the front page of the papers. In the, in the Express, page 15. Page 15. And her mother said that they fear she's been abducted. I'd, we don't know. What happened is she just vanished. She walks outside the house and and then disappears into thin air. They've only got one, one CCTV image, and that's on, I think, the uh, the Boots, uh, Boots the chemist, the shop security camera. That's the only image that they've got. And, um, and that was on the day before she vanished, on the way to her grandmother's, where she was to spend the weekend. 
Because her grandmother said she'd made it. She went out. She was, uh, she was supposedly going to buy some flip-flops, I think at the Whitgift Centre or something like that. So she had £10 on it. Didn't take her mobile phone. Now, every child I know takes their mobile phone with them. In fact, it was funny. I, was, I nearly took a picture on the train the other day, going back home yesterday. And all the people are standing up, because there's loads of people standing up, because the train was really packed. And everybody, all the people I could see within my, within my peripheral vision, were holding a mobile phone and typing into it or reading something. Every single person. And I thought, it's so unusual in this day and age, isn't it, to see everybody on a mobile phone. They're either that or they're on Kindles, or they're, or they're reading something. It's good. Um, Nick Ferrari, this morning. Amber Elliott, political editor at Total Politics, will be looking through the papers. It's all Olympics. It's all Olympics. The, the Olympics is in every single paper. They, they, they can't get enough of it. They cannot get enough of it. And they say here, happy and glorious with the dressage, cycling and the triathlon. But cycling, we've done really well. And we, we were obviously very good at cycling. And as we said before, it's the sitting down. That's why it's good at the dressage, sitting down. OK, so uh, that's it. Um, the sun this morning, 22 golds. Best, they say, for 104 years. 104 years. Is that brilliant? Is that absolutely brilliant? Oh, dear, I mean, I, I can't believe it. Racing... Oh, I don't know why they sent me the Racing Post. They sent me the Racing Post, and it's the thickest the thickest paper I've ever seen. It's pound ninety. There must be two copies in it. It can't be one copy. It's absolutely enormous. It's, it's about the size of a dictionary, this thing. And the front-page headline here is Phoenix date for Guinness' favourite dawn approach. Mean anything to you? No, nothing Nothing to me either. We'll, we'll have to give it to the Kardashians. Perhaps the Kardashians can, uh, can understand that one, because I've got no idea at all, I'm afraid. Uh, weather for today, I'm sure you're dying to know if you're going off to any of the Olympic events. Uh, any rain will die out. Skies will brighten. Sunny intervals developing. The odd shower in the afternoon is possible. Humid. 23 degrees centigrade. 23 degrees. Currently 15. Tonight, dry overnight with some clear spells. Some mist or fog patches forming by the morning. Minimum 15 degrees centigrade. And uh, further three-day forecast. Tomorrow, dry, mist clearing, sunny spells. 26 degrees tomorrow. <coughs> Blimey. So I got so excited there. 26 degrees. So double it. 50 to 82 tomorrow. Gosh, mm. 82 degrees. Might wear my speedos. Uh, Friday, Saturday... Mostly dry with sunny spells, feeling very warm. And Sunday, heavy shower as possible, which, uh, which we like, actually. Um, Steve, uh, another one who says, do you think the housewives are acting? I don't know. I, I, would, I would need to check with the producers on that one. I know that, as I say, in Essex, they're, they're given scenarios. And the scenario is, uh, right, you two will have an argument about this. And then hopefully we'll, we'll, we'll get some reaction. And uh, we'll try and find some customers for some of the uh, the NAF shops. And, uh, and and if we don't, well, we'll just sort of go and film something else. I don't think, I'm not sure if they even have a brief for the show. I'm not sure if they have a brief for the show. Oh, look, here's Freebie Fergie. Freebie Fergie's back in the paper today. Went out with Eugenie and Beatrice. They're all out. And uh, strangely enough, she's been enjoying the Olympic VIP lane, thanks to Beatrice and Eugenie's official car. She and her daughters managed to get some of the best seats in the house at the Athletics. They were spotted at the Velodrome yesterday. And at both events, the Duchess was sporting a travel pass that allowed her to hitch a lift in the Princess's official vehicle, which has been given special permission to use London's games-only lane. What for? What for? 
Since when are they entitled to get... They're not ambassadors, are they? Have I missed something here? Apparently. Uh, Monday night's York family outing, uh, which included Beatrice's long-term boyfriend, Dave Clark, and Jack Brooksbank, which is Eugenie's current squeeze. Eugenie appeared at the boxing and then posed for a photograph. They're the dreariest twosome, aren't they? And what with the mother as well. I remember seeing the mother. She pitched up on... Which show did she pitch up on a while ago? When Sarah Ferguson had some sort of standing. I mean, she has no standing in the community at all now. She's, uh, she mainly lives in America. And, uh, and she sort of promotes weight loss and stuff like that. But uh, she pitched up, I think it was on Des O'Connor's show. And I have to be honest, much as I love Des, they fawned over a little bit. And, uh, but there, there again, Sarah Ferguson, not, not worth fawning over. Remember the toe-sucking event with Johnny Bryant? You know, the boyfriend she had of some 16 years before she met uh, uh, Air Miles Andy. And, uh, and they then had sort of, you know, strange sort of relationship, I think it was. I think they both thought that they were, they were going to be the golden couple. The trouble is, she was a bit too butch and jolly hockey sticks. And he was a bit sort of mamby-pamby, I'm afraid. Uh, Nathan says, I wonder how the hangover from the Olympics will pan out. The nation will be like a morgue. It'll certainly be quiet next week. Well, actually, it won't be. You know why? We've got the Paralympics. But as, as somebody said, what we really need to do is to make sure that... We, that we keep the momentum going, because I've got this horrible feeling that once we get into the Paralympics, as I said yesterday, we'll all go, oh, it's only the Paralympics, who cares? Some people in a wheelchair, some people running who haven't got any legs. And you think, no, what they should do, they should do that first. So I think somebody p- pointed that out to Duncan earlier on and said, listen, why not do the Paralympics first, then they get loads of coverage, and then we move on to the Olympics, and then when we do the closing of the Olympics, then we have everybody in together, as opposed to, we'll have the closing of the Olympics, and then, then you will end up with, with the Paralympics. And it kind of means, and as I say, the BBC aren't, aren't running them at all. They're, they're sort of, it's almost like they've got, oh, I don't really care about that, so they've shoved it onto Channel 4, so nobody will watch it, which is a great shame. You'll see a few pictures of the papers, but I bet you anything, it won't be half the coverage that you've got at the moment. Today, they've got a lot of the uh, the people... Uh, who won, turning up at some some musical event. So you've got Paul Weller meeting Bradley Wiggins, which is lovely, actually. Paul Weller, known as the Modfather. I hated him. I never understood anything that Paul Weller did. But he's got a huge fan base. News headlines this morning with Sam Pittis. Great Britain are looking to add to their medal tally. Oh, great. What a strange one. 18 minutes past five. I've just turned you on, says Chris. <laughs> yeah, right. And I remember you from that restaurant show you saw on a Saturday night, 20 years ago. That was, that was my younger brother. That was my younger brother. Was it 20 years ago? Good heavens. Yes, we used to do that, actually. I used to very much enjoy doing a, a restaurant show, if only for the reason that you could sit there and, and, and drink alcohol on the programme. You could actually sit there and drink alcohol. And it was under the guise of a restaurant show. I used to get no end of people listening to, who, who would sort of write in and go, I'm sitting in the bath waiting to go out on a Saturday night, and I'm absolutely loving this restaurant. And so we would have a restaurant on, and it could be anybody. It was most of, most of the, the top hotels in London would send in chefs and they would... Be, one of them brought in their own cookers. They literally brought in cookers and they were cooking outside. They had to cook the food. You couldn't just reheat it. And they had to do it in an hour. The brief was an hour. You're cooking for four people and it can be any food you like. Bearing in mind, Steve doesn't do very much fish. So they used to come in and go, well, we've got a little fish. We, we did everything. We did absolutely everything from, from Japanese. The only thing we never did was Chinese food, but we had every restaurant in town. It was brilliant. 
It was absolutely wonderful. And it was... And also because they used to bring in a wine for each course. So if we did three courses to start with, we had three different bottles of wine. Sometimes I was off my trolley. Well, the guests were, certainly, because they used to love it. They'd go, can we come back again? Except we had one actress. I won't tell you who it is, but she said to me before... But just She, she sort of came in and we, we, we said, listen, would you want to come in and we'll have, we'll have dinner? It'll be very nice. And she said, listen... Every time I go anywhere, there's a disaster. I said, no, no, no. I said, be fine. listen, just come in. The restaurant will, will come in. It's so-and-so, so-and-so. She said, there'll be a disaster. So she arrives in. Within ten minutes, we get a phone call from the restaurant. They've just had a fire. The, re- the kitchens are burnt down. So she goes, I told you. I told you something would happen. So I said, don't worry, we will find you food. So we got takeaway pizza. Wasn't very exciting. But, if, you know, when you're, when you're hungry, you'll eat anything. And takeaway- I could eat takeaway pizza now. I mean, quite easily. There's all sorts of stuff you could eat. All sorts of stuff that you could eat. You know, I, I don't want to mention the Fifty Shades of Grey book, but apparently it's outsold the Da Vinci Code. I never even watched the Da Vinci Code film, so but I do have it. Like, I have a lot of films. Uh, and I never watched it. And somebody said the other day, have you watched The Artist yet? Was it The Artist or The Pianist or something? The Pianist. And is that that's the black and white film, isn't it? Clive said to... Oh, that's The Artist. God. Sorry, Clive. The Pianist is the arty film... The Nazi film, God, and uh, and the other one isn't. The artist is the black and white thing. Okay, I've not seen either of them. Or the Da Vinci Code. Okay, <laughs> Clive will have just driven off the road. Going, I wish he'd stop talking about this blooming film. Every day he comes in, he says, "So, what did you watch yesterday?" And I'm going to have to say, yesterday I watched Kingdom again with Stephen Fry because I'm ploughing my way through series two. I've seen it before, but I just want to watch it again. So, Fifty Shades has now outsold the Da Vinci Code. Apparently it's the biggest part of rubbish ever, the Fifty Shades, but it's, it's word of mouth that has kept the book going, and so people, people like to, um, to pick up on what everybody else is doing. So if you say, you must watch this, this is absolutely fantastic, you must, and people will watch it. And if, if you say to somebody, this is just... It's, it's the most brilliant PR campaign without them even trying. Word of mouth spread over this thing so much that everybody had to have it, and I haven't known that for a little while. I do love the story in the paper today. Uh, This is a village stalwart. This is the everyday story of country folk. As a village stalwart and at the age of 62, he should have known better. But when parish council chairman Douglas Staples' temper boiled over in a feud with a former council rival, he resorted to the politics of the playground and signed the 65-year-old widow up to a string of dating agencies. The former engineer dished out his own childish revenge after being bombarded with letters of complaint by Mrs Ray over five years. And so to give her a taste of her own medicine, he registered her her with a sexy singles website in the hope she would receive a barrage of unwanted correspondence from willing suitors. Yesterday he was counting the cost. A restraining order has been placed on him. The name is Douglas Staples. Remember that? He's in the Berkshire village of Enbourne. They both sat on the council and she wrote letters of complaint to him which I think was, you know, fairly OK. And then he resorted. Quite clearly, Douglas Staples is not a very nice person at all, I'm afraid. Not a very nice person. They both sat on the uh, the council at Enborn. They were near Newbury. But the relationship deteriorated when uh, Staples took over Mrs Ray as chairman. She resigned her post for health reasons, but decided to keep her hand in by attending meetings as a villager. And so then, over the, over the years, she bombarded him with 70 complaints. Now, you, you, you do get some people... I knew a woman like this years and years ago, and she wrote letters of complaint to everybody. Wrote letters... Mind you, I had a, 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 I've got a friend of mine, I can't tell you who he is because he's well-known, and he writes fake letters to big companies. Um, and he writes, he writes letters uh, to people like 
uh, Colonel Sanders, and he'll go, uh, my name is Edna, you know, whatever it turns out to be, and uh, I, I was out the other day with my mother, who is 93, and we both tried some of your excellent Kentucky Fried Chicken, blah, blah, blah. Is it possible you could send me the recipe? You know, she'll write things like that. He'll he'll write things like that. And he writes to people like McVitie's or, or Mr Kipling or, you know, people who don't exist. And somebody somewhere will respond to the letter. And so he gets... It's a little bit like... There was somebody who wrote years and years ago, some bloke... I can't remember who, what his name was now, but he used to write all these letters to different companies and, and would elicit responses from them. You could do the same now. I mean, I, I, I'm tempted to write to Jordan, but I, I just don't think she can write, so there's no point there. She'd have to do it in crayon or something. And you couldn't write to anybody from, from The Only Way is Essex because they wouldn't really understand the words either. Ricky Raymond would. It's a check, dear. It's a check cashing. OK, can you do that? OK, do, do, do try. You can see him sitting behind the glass, can't you, in one of those check-cashing shops? I don't know why. I just can. And so, anyway, so here he is in the paper, and uh, he's been fined £735. Just remember the name again. His name is Douglas Staples, and he's not a very nice person at all. Not a very nice person. But anyway, as, as with all these things, he was brought to book. So I'm very pleased. Uh, the must-have dog for every celebrity, because Andy Murray's got one, Border Terriers. Everybody's got Border Terriers. In fact, last year they sold, I think, 900, which actually isn't a huge amount compared to some dogs, because you still see the proverbial planks walking along with their pit bulls, don't you, and stuff like that. But, uh, but the Border Collie is the little dog that doesn't know it's little. But they are, they are hunters, so they will sometimes just freeze and point, especially if they see things like squirrels. And Andy Murray sent pictures of his two, Rusty and Maggie May, with the, with the medals around their necks, which is quite good. But they're very cute. A friend of mine's got uh, one, of these, one of these dogs. And they are cute because they're not too big. The only thing you've got to do with them, you've got to get them clipped regularly because they shed hair like there's no tomorrow. And they look so much better when they've been clipped professionally. And it's good. And Country Life did a big feature. In fact, they, I think they put them on the front page because they said they really were very good dogs. But don't ever think you're going to get one over on them. They do their own thing. The, the, my friend's border collie has got a mind of its own. It, it, it'll go off. If, if it's on the scent of something, that's it. it you know, you, you've kind of lost it for ages and ages. 84850, Um, uh Miles says, I've been wondering when you give us a status report on the Duchess of York. Uh, I was beginning to suspect she was, uh, she was in America. Missing in action. No, the, the reason is she doesn't come back here very often, actually. She doesn't... She doesn't... Uh, she, doesn't um, she doesn't come back here very often. When, when, when she does, she's after the freebies. But she's now... She's a bit old. A bit old now. I told you. She does look old. I know she's aged worse out of anybody in the royal family. She, her hair is really, st- you know, very thin and weedy. And and what was the other thing? Oh, yes, I told you. We were, we were the first programme to report that she'd gone out to Thailand and she'd gone to a health resort. I know, because a friend of mine was at the health resort and Fergie pitches up. And I tell you when it was, it was during the, uh, the royal wedding because she wasn't invited because they don't like her. And so she pitched up at this resort. Quite clearly, she was on a freebie because that's what she does. She does, she does freebies. And, uh, and she muscled in on my friend's massage... They went, oh, Sarah Ferguson's taking your massage time. And, of course, you know, the owners were kowtowing to her a little bit, I suppose, because, you know, some people still... The Americans love her. The Americans like royalty. The, the, the more faded they are, the more they like. Gary says, how great was yesterday's events? Fantastic. He had a great time at Hyde Park. So pleased that the Brownlee brothers, Alistair and Jonathan, did so well. As a matter of interest, Alistair actually ran his 10 kilometres only 83 seconds slower 
than Mo Farah did on the track. And having just swum a mile and cycled a marathon, how good is that? He says, I have swim training tonight, so we'll be further inspired to improve. And tomorrow, I'm doing my first ten time trials in Great Missenden. I love Great Missenden. I love Great... Isn't it funny? I love Great Missenden. I don't know why. I just do. Bob says, as a cultured man, I'm surprised you don't follow Paul Weller. He's one of the greatest artists in modern... Oh, I think he's ghastly. Can't stand him. Cannot stand him. And you think he's the most... One of the greatest artists... On the British music scene, since the Beatles, the Stones, the Kinks and the... You're off your trolley. Off your trolley. Oh, no, Paul Weller. No, thank you very much indeed. Oh, no. What do they call him? Modfather or something. Oh, how naff. How naff. I did do a book, actually, strange enough, years and years. It was on him. I didn't know very much about him, apart from the Style Council. And this bloke who came in to do it, and I got the distinct impression about, about a third of the way into the interview, I said, are you a fan? And he went, oh, yes. And I thought... Obviously, only a fan would ever want to write a book on Paul. It was the most boring book I'd ever read, I'm afraid. What a dull man. Doesn't do it for me at all, I'm afraid. Happy Wednesday, says Dan. Happy Wednesday to you. We can be happy Wednesday now, can't we? Because we're doing so well, so well at the Olympics. We don't, we don't care what day it is. As long as we maintain this, uh, this, this medal thing. Uh, I could eat a pizza as well, says Bob. You order, I'm on my way. I don't know. You see, I, I, I don't... And what sort of pizza would we have to have this morning? I fancy Hawaiian, because it, it sounds a bit breakfasty, doesn't it? Breakfasty. Um, your friend who writes these letters, my guess is, says Dan... No, it's not, actually. It's not. It's, it's, it's somebody else. I, I, I can't tell you what it is, actually. Uh, I used to like that Saturday evening dinner party show, Steve. Uh, I remember when Telly Savalis turned up. Yes, absolutely. Uh, the Da Vinci Code film is not that uh, good. The book is better. Right, the book is better. Um, uh, James says, I heard you talking about Tutankhamun. I saw the exhibition, took my breath away, worth seeing. Oh, I mean, it's absolutely stunning, absolutely stunning. The the, the best thing is a book that I bought on Amazon, and I think it's called The Museum of Cairo, or Cairo Museum, and it's got loads of stuff from Tutankhamun. Although if you really want to sort of get into stuff like that, go to the British Museum today doesn't cost you a penny piece to go in. And they've got so much to see. It's absolutely worth it. It's, it's, a, it's a day out. It's well, well worth it. It really is. British Museum should be on your list of places to go to. It's LBC 97.3, Steve Allen's Early Breakfast. It's 5.30. Morning, Wednesday morning, dear 12. Dear 12, and we've got 22 gold medals under our belt. Doesn't get any better than that, does it? Well, it will do, because I think we're going to end up with, I think, 30. 30 but by the end of it, I should imagine. Um, two others have left us. Sir Bernard Lovell, who's the man behind the Jodrell Bank radio telescope at the grand old age of 98. Also, Mark O'Donnell, the man who wrote the musical Hairspray. Yes, he collapsed and died in his, uh, in his apartment block the other day. He was only 58. Funnily enough, says Paul, I was watching the clip of Divine on the Stock Aitken Waterman programme. Yes, it, didn't they write, um, you think you're a man, you are only a boy? Was that Divine? I saw Divine working in London once at the Sundown. And uh, I remember thinking that, because I thought Hairspray, the first one, was brilliant. Second time round, you've got John Travolta dressing up in women's clothing. Not that surprising when you read some of the stories in the American press. Anyway, he says, you ask why you still get the racing post. If you recall, yourself, Mr Cushing and Mr Jensen used to do the racing tip. And what do you mean, not been to Egypt? So the picture... No, I said I lived in Egypt for two years. So the picture of you on the camel with the red tea towel on your head was, wasn't real? Yes, I mean, I was... Uh, of course, I've been on many, many camels. I've got lots of pictures of me as a child on a camel. 
Uh, and if you remember, he says, letters. Joe Orton, the playwright, used to fire off complaining letters under the name of Edna Wellthorpe. Some of them were actually very funny. Yes, I know. It's such a tragedy, wasn't it, though? The whole, the whole um, Joe Orton thing was an absolute tragedy. No, but um, we didn't get the racing post when, uh, when young, young Cushing and Jensen used to come in. We just used to do the racing out of the papers. And then all of a sudden, the racing post started turning up. I never asked for it. And then somebody said to me, they give it to you for free. I said, why? I couldn't quite work out why. I mean, there's loads of people go out and buy it every day. And I used to sit here and I used to say to them upstairs, I'm getting the racing post. And they'd look at me like I was stupid. And so I go, All right, am I supposed to get the racing post? Is there some feature in there that I should do every day on LBC? And they go, no, not really. We just thought we'd send it to you. Uh, there's a lovely feature in, uh, which magazine is this one? This is uh, Heat magazine. This is The Hut. Celebrity news every week. Uh, this is the one who put the Towie girls at war. This is poor old Gemma, Lucy Mecklenburg, and uh, you've got Lydia Dim on there. It's all, it's all very funny. It's all very good. Uh, but the, the, my, my favourite feature is Waxworks, because I, I do quite like Waxworks. I do like Madame Two Swords. Louis Two Swords is the ghastly one in Blackpool, where nobody looks like anybody. You have to try and work out. And so they've got uh, people in here. Some of these people are very famous. So they've got Simon Cowell, and it's... <laughs> It unfortunately doesn't look like Simon Cowell. I mean, it, you can see it is, if you, if you get my meaning. It's, it's like you, you, you could look at a picture of um, Declan Donnelly and you would know it was Declan Donnelly because it just looks like him, but not particularly like him. David Hasselhoff, um, just, I mean, well, standing upright, so I suppose that's, that's always a start for David Hasselhoff. Robert Pattinson... OK, but Brad and Angelina Jolie... Absolutely, I mean, poor old Brad looks like he's wandered off the Thunderbird set. I felt a bit sorry for him. Kylie Minogue doesn't look at all like... Kylie. It could be... It could be absolutely anybody from Mother Teresa downwards, I'm afraid. But it definitely doesn't look like, uh, like her. Uh, Justin Bieber... I don't know, actually. It looks like they've stuck the wrong hair on his head. I mean, Justin Bieber is actually, I suppose, considered... I mean, I'm actually considered a bit, a bit of an attractive person. And I think Justin Bieber is the same. I think he's probably modelled himself on me. He's probably got an old Steve Allen picture from some years ago. But the funniest one is Britney Spears. I don't know what it's supposed to look like at all. It just looks... In fact, it, it's, it, it, could be, it could be Alex Reed in drag. It could be anybody at all. And as for poor old Tom Cruise... No chance of this looking like Tom Cruise. Nicole Kidman is not bad looking, but uh, it's it's the Queen. Well, I don't know which which one this is, but it's certainly not ours. She's wearing the clothes, but but the face is not. A, perhaps it's perhaps it's the Queen of the Netherlands or something like that. I do love tss, Heat magazine because it's always got some of the tss, hottest stories in show business, and we like mentioning them on the program. They also did a, a an, another thing. It's your worst nightmare is if you go to a party and somebody's wearing your outfit. Now, it doesn't so much happen for blokes, because blokes just put a shirt on and a pair of jeans. I mean, at the moment, Sam Pittis, a newsreader, is wearing jeans and a white shirt. I'm also wearing jeans and a white shirt. The trouble is, you see, looks better on me. You know, it's one of those sort of things. I fill out the shirt. You know, I fill out a shirt because I'm slightly of the larger frame. But if, if you're a woman and you go out wearing the same dress or you've just bought a very nice dress, if you buy from the high street, the chances of somebody wearing the same dress to the same party that you go to is pretty remote. But when it does happen, don't you just want to crawl under the furniture? So they've got pictures of people wearing the same frocks and who comes off best. In the case of Rochelle Wiseman, you know, Rochelle just got married to the bloke from JLS. That's her, not him. And, uh, and the other one is Millie McIntosh. Millie is, of course, from... 
you know, made in Chelsea, because you've kind of like got to be called like Millie, you know, if you like Chelsea, because if you're called Millie, you're not going to live on a sink estate, you know, in Newcastle. And then they've got a picture of Amanda Holden and Kelly Brook, and Amanda Holden looks better in the same frock, but apparently, strangely enough, it is Kelly's dress that she's wearing, and uh, and Amanda's wearing it as well, but Amanda looks better in it. Because if you notice, everybody's got collections now. Everybody's got collections, except Sarah Ferguson. Hers is a collection of bin bags, and it's put all her items in there. And then they've got Sam for Ears and Kimberly Wyatt. I don't know who Kimberly Wyatt is, actually. I, I, she's... Oh, she's a pussy. Oh, she's a pussycat. Is she? Oh, right. OK. And they're, they're both wearing this um, uh, disguised tramp, sh- tramp suit, jumpsuit. £356, this thing is. It's an awful lot of money. And um, Towie's uh, Sam for Ears is wearing it with gold accessories and heavy platforms, while Kimberly plays it chic with a tan belt and nude peep toes. Nude peep toes, girls. You know what they are? They're sandals that somebody's cut the front off. Nude peep toes. You can see your toes peeping out. My auntie's got roughly the same. We call them slippers, though, in her case. I mean, because she loves her slippers. I mean, she really, she's, she's crackers for slippers. And I also have two pairs of slippers at home. I've got some very, very expensive, very expensive Moroccan red leather, which I love. It make me feel like I'm in the Casbah, which is, you know, if I was smoking a pipe or a hooker pipe or something like that, then it, it probably would, but uh, that's, that's where it all goes out the window, I'm afraid. But I love, I love my slippers, and I love my actual comfy ones where you just put your feet in. Because slippers are very comfy. They're not very expensive. Good, good pair of slippers, 10 quid or something like that, which is quite enough. There's a new centre that has opened. It's in all the papers today. It's very interesting. It's a children's play centre. And it's called Kids Go Wild. And it's women only. It's women only. And, and they also say boys are banned over the age of nine. Now, why would that be? I'll tell you exactly why. Um, it's, so, it's a predominantly Asian community. But they've said that Muslim women don't want men in there. Well, that's discrimination. You can't do that, I'm afraid, in this day and age. And so it's being investigated. Um, uh, Councillor Habib Rayman, who I think we've spoken to on LBC on numerous occasions, has said it's a worrying situation. There's something wrong when a dad can't take his kids to a play centre. Uh, Ruksana Ayub, who's a Muslim mother of one, said while Muslim women may feel more able to relax in a setting where they don't feel they have to cover up, she thought it was quite shocking in this day and age that men weren't allowed in. Another resident said, I've got four boys, luckily all under the age of nine, but if one of them was older, I wouldn't be able to take any of them. It's not fair to leave one out. So they've said it makes it more... Well, this is discrimination. And immediately something has to be looked uh, into. The, uh, the Equality and Human Rights Commission spokesman said, it does allow for some services to be just for women or men only, but uh, this is the exception, not the norm. It must pass a strict test to be justifiable. Because uh, you, you can't have things like that. You can't have things like that. It should be open for everybody. And so they're now going to be looking into why Kids Go Wild is a women-only service. And uh, so far they've heard nothing from them, apart from a few people they've chatted to afterwards, saying that uh, it's so that women can relax. But it's discrimination. You know, what, what next? No, 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 no black people. No sort of, you know, gay people, no transgender people, no pink people, no blue people, no blue people with pink spots, because they're a bit of a worry. That's measles. You know, you have to, you know, you, you can't discriminate against anybody. It's like, you know, if, if I said this programme is only for, for certain people, that's discrimination. The trouble is, luckily for you, it's radio. I, I can't decide who listens to the programme, much as though we have tried. 
You know, I feel like bringing in Sue and she can sort of blow that bloke up who sings, go compare, you know, because that's the best thing she's ever done, actually. I just love the idea that she takes her helmet off and her hair looks quite normal. I thought that was quite funny. Uh, My daughter tried to get tickets for the athletics. When she saw the price, she decided to leave it. I suggested getting tickets for the Paralympics, and she said it wouldn't be the same, says Ian. Well, I mean, well, it isn't. If you, if you, I mean, there's no point in... You know, it's not discrimination. It's not the same as if you want to go and watch somebody cycling on, you know, on the Northern Olympics or the Paralympics. It's going to be different, isn't it? They're all striving. It'd be interesting to see how it compares. I'm just worried it's not going to get the coverage anywhere. Um, Andrew says, talking of the only way is Essex, on Chiswick High Road, I saw a guy wearing a T-shirt saying, the only way is Chiswick. Oh, that'll be James O'Brien. He's had loads of them printed. He walks up and down wearing it. I said, listen, you're not going to make it more exciting for people just by wearing your T-shirts. The Pianist, says Kate, is a harrowing story of survival which ranks high in the list of weepies. Oh, I can live without another weepy movie. I'm weepied out, I'm afraid, after the Olympics. Totally weepied out. I do have it. I don't know why I've not watched it. Why have I not watched it? I suppose it's because I, I bought into the hype of of loads and loads of films, and I had them delivered, and then you don't have the time to sit down and actually go through them. I do want to watch The Pianist, I do want to watch The Artist, and I do want... I've even got the Maggie Thatcher film, and then somebody said to me the other day, oh, it's rubbish, you don't want to... And I thought, no, I bought it, I I quite like the clips, but sometimes the clips that they show you are the best bits of the film, when you actually get to watch the film. I remember seeing um, a film years ago, it was advertised on the television, and it was called something like The Last Snows of Spring... And it was, it, was, it was a bit like Heidi. I think it was set in the Alps or something. Whatever it was, it was beautiful scenery. So a bit like The Sound of Music, but with a good storyline. And, and I remember going to the cinema to watch it. And it turned out to be a dubbed film. It was a film made in Czechoslovakia or something like that. And I, and I started watching it. And you, you know when you watch it, you think, something's not right. When they're mouthing words, what's coming out quite clearly isn't what they're saying. Because they are speaking in another language. And it was overdubbed. I felt a bit a bit disappointed because after that, I spent most of the time watching these people's mouths moving and the wrong words coming out. Apparently, Louis Two Swords no longer exists in Blackpool. It's now Madame Two Swords. Dear, well, I hope it's got a lot better because they are much better. Some of theirs are quite frightening. I said a while ago that uh, I went to the Ideal Home Show at Earl's Court and they had some Madame Two Swords figures there. And seriously, you expect them to reach out and touch you. They are that frightening. If, if, if somebody pushed one into view on one of these scary programmes on television, you would believe it was a real person. They are that good. When you see them close up, you can see hair, stubble, everything. Quite freaky. I was standing next to Alan Titchmarsh at the time, and I thought, oh, no. I said to him, I said, that thing is so realistic. He said, I know. He said, it is frightening. But, uh, but good. Quarter to six. <laughs> News headlines with Sam Pittis. Team GB's looking to add to its medal tally after surpassing the number of medals won at the Beijing Olympics four years ago. People in New Addington are helping police search for 12-year-old... I always look at the people sitting in first class on the trains, and sometimes I look at them and I think, have you really got a first class ticket? I'd love to be an inspector working the trains. I'd be in first class all the time. You've got tickets. Show me a ticket. Out. You know, unless you've paid for it. And, uh... Three people have been caught out. An architect and two accomplices. And here they are in the papers today. This is uh, Neil Stantiel, Mark Batt and John McKinley. And uh, they were travelling first class. But they've decided not to pay for it because they're bent. And uh, they were caught out by an eagle-eyed rail official. He's discovered that the ticket was forged and their railway car park passes were forged as well. The scam 
involved copying a first-class monthly season ticket from Southampton to London's Waterloo, worth 849. Good Lord, that's, in a, that's a month. I thought that was a year. It's a month. That's a monthly season ticket, £849.50. And the monthly railway car park ticket was £130. Uh, They were previously well-respected men. Architect Neil Stantiel, construction firm boss John McKinley and and building worker Mark Batt have now been given suspended jail sentences for their part in the fraud, which involved dodging more than £2,000 worth of fares and parking fees. What a bunch of crooks. What a bunch of crooks. The judge said you were all confident you were too clever to get caught out and had an arrogant disregard for the basic qualities of honesty and morality. He said it was not just an error of judgment. This was serious dishonesty. You are all intelligent individuals with responsible jobs. You've had opportunities in life that many have not been fortunate to have. So uh, one of them was given 16 weeks in prison, suspended for two years and 250 hours of unpaid work, and they were all told to pay the money back. £2,219. So John McKinley and Neil Stantiel or Stanchel and Mark Batt. It's, um, I said earlier, it's the bloke on the bus, isn't it? Walking straight past, holding the ticket up, and he goes, Oi! It's out of date, and you know it's out of date. You look at it. It's, uh, you know, I'm not going to get on a bus unless I've got enough money on my Oyster card. I'm really not. I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, and yet some people don't even think about it. They don't even think about the fact of dishonesty. And they were sitting in first class. Imagine if you've been standing there, and, and, and you're on crutches, and you're unfortunately in the second class, or cattle... But it doesn't make it... As long as you get a seat, it's OK. And they're sitting in first class, smug little crooks. Not nice, is it? Uh, the fellow who wrote the letters in the late 70s says Brian was Henry Root. Yes, they do appear in the Henry Root letters. He wrote to everybody in, of importance, including New Scotland Yard bosses, and generally enclosed uh, a pound note for their charity. Of course, the police played safe and returned it with thanks. He was... Yes, he, yes you're right, he did. He put money in, didn't he? I enclose a pound for your, for your coffers and things like that. Henry Root. The letters are, are probably still still available, I should imagine, in book form. In book form. You, you must read them because they're very, very good. My favourite, though, was a book recommended by uh, one of my producers. And it was about the Nigerian scams. You know where they write to you? And it's, it's a girl. And she'll write and go, oh, so-and-so really wants to get in contact with you. You know, lovely girl. And so you write back. Uh, unfortunately, what, what you're dealing with is a man, the other end, in Nigeria... And he's he's writing to you, hoping to get you to pay money. And so it starts off very nicely. Hi, how are you? And they chat, speak to you again soon, and they build up a relationship with you. And then then comes the thing, you know, oh, my sister's very ill at the moment. I need some money. Uh, is it? Could, could you help me out a little bit? I only need something like $20 just so we can get to this thing. And then eventually the, the sting comes where they sort of write and they say, um, I'd love to come and see you in, in your country. I, I, haven't, I can't leave at the moment. I need a new visa and that costs £120. Can you send me the money for that? And so the person this end who is scamming them, this is the British person who is winding them up, they don't know. It's, it's sort of the, the scammer being caught by the person who is being scammed. And he then wrote, wrote back and said, oh, it's lovely to hear from you again. I shall send the money immediately. Next day, the person writes back, the money hasn't arrived yet. Did you really send it? And he, he, he would write back and go, yes, absolutely. I'd, I'll do it today. I'll do it today. Can you send me a picture of you topless? And all this kind of stuff. It, it's very interesting. And he winds it up. And in the end, they suddenly realise that they've been conned by the same person that they were hoping to con themselves. Uh, the Pianist is a great film. Uh, 
Snow Falling on Cedars is a good film. I don't know, I'm just about to go into my Christmas film stage. You know me in Christmas films. Uh, Malcolm says, don't you think Ian Beale's beard in EastEnders is just too perfectly outlined for somebody who's been living rough? I think actually just appearing on EastEnders means you've been living rough for some time, poor old Ian. We love Ian Beale. I mean, he's done everything. I can't work out why he was, why he's living rough as a, as a tramp. Did his, did his business collapse or something like that? I don't know. I don't know. We shall have to uh, find out. I'm sure that there must be some, somebody somewhere who will watch it. Uh, heard late last night about Marvin Hamlish, says Joe. Remember him on Parky, a highlight every time he was on. Such a talented man. Yes, he, he, was, he was always very pleasant, wasn't he? Don't you think he was always terribly pleasant on, on Parky? As indeed was everybody. Uh, Bridget says, I'm going twice to the Para-Olympics on the 2nd and the 5th of September. I think the two Olympics should be integrated so that both take place concurrently. It would give them equal status, but it would be difficult to fit in time-wise unless the whole thing was extended to three weeks. See, I don't mind it being three weeks. I don't have any problem with it being three. It's the Olympics. Two weeks, far too short. Far too short. So uh, a little bit, little bit longer would be good. Uh, somebody sent me in uh, how the Channel 4 Paralympics coverage is being packaged, but it doesn't explain how they won the broadcasting rights. Yes, I mean, I don't think... I mean, Channel 4 won it, but to be honest, I don't think the BBC were bothered with it. I think all they'll do is just pull all their, their, their people out, which I think is a great shame. Great shame. Uh, Eamon says, I noticed during the Team GB women's hockey game at the Olympics... There's annoying, there is an annoying mariachi-type trumpeter constantly playing Rule Britannia in the crowd. Surely the theme to St Trinian's would be more appropriate. Yeah, but nobody would recognise the blooming thing, would they? Then only me and you would actually know what that was, I'm afraid. Uh, 84850. Who's this? Charlie. Is this Ch- Where does he work? Where does Charlie work? Oh, Ch- oh, Charlie's one of our presenters at heart. He says, I don't, I don't normally... Send email. I've got to read it out because it's quite funny, actually. He says, I don't normally send emails, but I felt compelled. I drive an hour every morning from Surrey to Kent to do the breakfast show on Heart. He said, and I wanted to say, you literally make the journey. I was laughing so much this morning at your towie observations. Thank you for making my early morning drive so much easier. I, quite, I get a lot of people in this building who listen, actually. Dave Berry listens every day. I always wave at Dave Berry. Sometimes if, if, if I go up the, the back staircase here, I have to go past the Capitol Studio, and they've got loads of people in there. I mean, there's, like, loads of people. There's, like, you know, eight people. It's like a big round table. I suppose it's a bit similar to your, uh, to your sort of uh, breakfast show, Charlie, as well, which he does with James. We need, we need to find, find a picture of Charlie. We need, to, we need to find out what Charlie looks like. I don't want anybody unattractive. Well, of course it matters. I don't want anybody unattractive listening to the programme. We want we have a strict rule on this programme that you've got to fit a fit a certain a certain a certain standard. Okay, I love the idea of a certain standard. I think that's much better actually. And so we're going to. Uh, okay, which one is? Uh, oh, it's it's a girl. Is that Charlie? Oh, it's Charlie. That's Charlie, because that must be James, must it? I don't know why I thought it was two, but I'm so sorry. How rude of me. How rude. I can't believe it. I just assumed Charlie Mann. Duh. I don't know why, actually. Thank you very much indeed. I'll start listening to you. Unfortunately, I start a little bit older. Uh, sorry, a little bit earlier. A little bit older. Well, probably a little bit older as well. Oh, there we go. There, There's Charlie. There's Charlie. Oh, look. We're very pretty. Is that a black line you've painted in down the middle of your head, or is that intentional? Do let me know. She's now doing, doing the programme, actually. Uh, right. Other stories of the papers today. This is... Uh, Oh, it's a picture of Nicole Scherzinger. I'm not really into Nicole Scherzinger. I can't... I'm, I'm not sort of quite there. I like Alison Phillips. And um, she's, she's sided with Anthea Turner, who is gutted. G- 
gutted, as you can remember, because uh, Grant cheated. And she says here, um, he is a cad. He was always a cad. And um, she apparently summoned him to a showdown this week, so the story goes. And Anthea Turner apparently said to Grant Bovey, why did you betray me? And now, if he was honest, he'd have said, because it's what I do. But uh, he didn't. He's a slime ball. And I hope she doesn't take him back. It would make her look very silly if she took him back. Because he's, he's done it. Well, he'll do it again. He'll do it again. That's what he did first time around. She, she's done it. She said, I, I don't subscribe to the fact that, you know, what goes around comes around. She's obviously quite gutted by it. Because in Anthea Turner's uh, world, everything is terribly perfect. It's all lollipops and pink ice cream. And everybody just loves everybody. And, uh, and yet her interviews on, on the television were toe-curlingly embarrassing. They were the sort of interviews where you don't need to do to somebody. You just need to ask them a normal question. You know, without having to go, I think you look absolutely stunningly beautiful and gorgeous. And uh, and I want to take you home with me. You know, you don't you don't do those. Sort of, but she was a little bit, a little bit patronising and condescending. So we'll wait and see. I'm sure that there are interviews still to come. Liberty Ross says, that's my stomach. Look at my stomach going then. That means I need a bacon roll or two. I might eat two today, actually. Actually, I shouldn't really have. It's terrible, actually. I'm trying to work out how many bacon rolls. And somebody said, the boss pointed out how many calories are on a bacon roll. What a thing to tell you. You know, when you're, when you're battling with your weight, and it has been a battle for most of my adult life, you know, you, you, you do sort of worry about this kind of thing. I'd love to be thin. I'd love to, as, as most fat people would, you'd love to sort of take a tablet late at night and then wake up in the morning and go, ta-da, and be thin. You'd have to go and buy all new clothes, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't worry about that. I live in hope of tucking a shirt in to jeans. I live in hope of that, but I haven't done it for donkey's years. So Liberty Ross was out on the streets, and you're going to say to me, who's Liberty Ross? And I'm going to say, she is the wife of Rupert Sanders, who cheated with Kristen. You remember who was with Robert Pattinson? And she's not wearing her wedding ring. They always do this. They take the wedding ring off. Then they're out photographed. And, uh, and, p- and people are tempted to say to him, listen, are you still with him? You're not with him? Uh, she isn't at the moment. And she's banned him from directing the sequel to Snow White and the Huntsman. Oh, dear. It's all going a bit pear-shaped there, isn't it, I'm afraid? Pear-shaped. And uh, Robert Pattinson, as we mentioned him, is going to break his silence. He's agreed to a live interview on ABC's Good Morning America next Wednesday. I can't wait. What are they going to say? Your girlfriend cheated. How do you feel? Gutted. End of interview. Nothing more you can add to it, is there? Unless he knows more information. News at 6 is next on LBC 97.3. Day 12. Day 12 of the Olympics. How many, how many more medals can we get? It'd be lovely to think we get... It'd be nice if it, I, mean, I, don't know, I can't remember how many are up for grabs today. I had a little piece of paper earlier on which had my, my medal tally on it and I've lost the blooming thing. And uh, I remember... Th- oh, wait a minute. Is it here? Yeah. And I remember thinking, if, if there's going to be some really good medals up for grabs, let, let's go for them today. Loads of stuff taking place today. Boxing. Not really that interesting. Beach volleyball. Everybody would be interested in that one, won't they? People bouncing around all over the place. Mo Farah starts the quest for Olympic gold number two at 10.45 today. That's in the men's 5,000-metre heats. Then you've got the women's hurdles, 400 metres. The women's 200 metres final. Uh, boxing, as I say, there's all sorts of ben- men's uh, boxing. The light welterweight. And that's Tom Stalker fighting, knowing a win will guarantee another British medal and a semi-final place. Beach volleyball, canoe sprint, cycling BMX... Taekwondo. Taekwondo. Table tennis. I can never do table tennis. They're very fast. And wrestling freestyle. Women's first medal could be on there. Women are wrestling. I'm not sure about that idea. I think that's it's a bit, bit of a strange one there, isn't it? And also in, in the taekwondo. Ah, it's the first finals, but not for the GB athletes. 
Oh, it's a shame, really. Um, but uh, let's let's see what we're, what we can do. Forty-eight medals so far we've managed to garner. I think that's absolutely brilliant. So well done to everybody down there. And if you're setting off on your journey, you join. I mean, record numbers of people. Saturday, three point seven four million journeys were taken. Three point seven four million journeys. Sunday, three point two million. And London Overground is carrying two point eight six million passengers in a week. That's up twenty-seven percent. Up 27%. And it's noticeable. I tell you who are good, though. All the volunteers. They gave them all little hats to wear the other day. Little straw hats. And uh, they're brilliant. They're absolutely brilliant. So, uh, well done to all them. I only see them down at Charing Cross Station. And I see them at Waterloo Station. And there's armies of them. There's armies of them. So, well done, boys and girls. They're all of a certain age. Well, I say they're all of a certain age. They appear to be every, every sort of age. Amber Elliott... He's going to be doing the papers with uh, with Nick Ferrari this morning. He's coming to you live from here. Yes, you know, we had a bit of a bit of a problem where where Nick got back from from Stratford in a in a record amount of time. I've never known anybody get so fast through the through the travel. But anyway, games lanes meant the road layouts were changed, but at what cost? Nick will be sending out a uh, reporter to the crash site where a cyclist tragically lost his life. We've overtaken Beijing for the gold medal count, but can we do any more? Yes, of course we can. Regular updates from Croydon regarding the missing girl Tia Sharp and a full review of the papers. And, of course, Nick will be talking to the Prime Minister, David Cameron, at 8 o'clock this morning. So uh, all to look forward to, and I'm sure he'll be opening up the phone lines as well. We take your texts and emails, 84850stevedlbc.co.uk. Alan... In uh, Clay Hall has told me about the latest version of Fifty Shades of Grey. It's the Romford version, which is uh, which is lovely. But I can't read it out on the programme. But it's very funny, and if you've been on to the internet, you will find it. It's uh, it's very good. And if if we were one of those programmes, I don't know what a watershed is for radio. I'm afraid I don't think there is one at this time in the morning. Uh, Stephen says apparently. Channel 4 are doing the coverage of the Paralympics. Shame on the BBC for not thinking it important enough to film. I don't know why they haven't decided to do it. I, I, I cannot understand the reason. They either didn't bid enough, but in which case, if they wanted it, then they could bid for it. But I secretly suspect, secretly suspect, and it's only my opinion, that they go, I don't think anybody's going to be interested in the Paralympics. Which, of course, we are. We are. It's just that if they then insist on shoving it onto a onto a, a minor television channel, it won't get the coverage that it would do normally. It'll be interesting to see how the papers handle it. I'll, I'll watch that very carefully, just to see. Uh, I've just read a blue plaque, says little Julie's being unveiled for Robin Gibb in Tame. Yes. I think it's at his house, isn't it? It's at his house. I think uh, Dwina, his, his wife, says that uh, they were going to do that. Uh, another one here, very quickly, trying to get through as many as possible. On the restaurant show. I was living near Regent Street, says Hamish, and have very fond memories of that programme. A particular favourite, uh, Fat Sam's of uh, Hampstead, who sold a gigantic burger. <laughs> a mate of mine took up the challenge. One of us being famed for his ability to put it away, but sadly, neither of us rose to the challenge. Any chance of getting some of those old shows added to the vintage podcast sections? Well, do you know, they weren't even recorded. They weren't even... They were all live, those programmes. And as far as I remember, I think they were called Saturday Night... Chris Lowry would remember. Saturday Night Out. I think they were called Saturday Night In. Or Steve Allen's Saturday Night. I can't remember. It was one of the twos. Or or Friday Night Out or something like that. I don't think they even feature in the archives. I'm pretty certain that they they don't. Although they might be somewhere. I think because everything had to be recorded. Whether or not they, they would have been saved. Because we had lots of celebrities who popped in. And it was... Uh, they were, they'd be very good for the podcasting. 
They would be. I mean, you could have some... I, I didn't know. Are there vintage podcasts up on the system, then? Oh, right. We should get some, because we, we do have access to the archives. So it'd be perhaps you should sort of write in, ladies and gentlemen, sort of, you know, request various programmes from the archives. I know that there are lots of things... Oh, I'm just going to cancel myself here. Uh, there are lots of programmes that Bob Holness did, which could be put up on uh, the podcasting. I could introduce them. Steve Allen introduces Bob Holness, who was introducing various celebrities and stuff like that. That would, that would, be, a, that would be a good one to do, I think, on the programme. Uh, Jason, Mr Daily Bread at Battersea Power Station, he says, you were talking about Fergie early. Isn't it one of the girls' birthdays today? Yes, I think so. I think you'll find that it is... Uh, is it Eugenie? Is it Eugenie's birthday today? And I think... Because it's 8888 or something. I can't remember what it is, actually. But I'm sure it's, it's one of them, the birthdays today. Uh, Steve says, Scott in Kent. I love Steel Magnolias. Makes you cry, but then laugh out loud. And loved Madonna and Evita. Oh, dear. I hated Evita. I thought it was the worst film ever, I'm afraid. The Olympics should be sold, says Patsy, as one package. Not allowing the BBC to take the main show only. It's an insult to the para-athletes. Well, that's why I've said every day that as opposed to having a closing ceremony for the Olympics, they should wait till it's all finished and then do the closing ceremony. Because what they've effectively done is that they've done this Olympics and then they've gone, oh, and there's something else later for a few disabled people. They've almost dismissed it. And that's why I, I don't think it's right. Carol says, you're very funny. Stop eating the bacon rolls and you'll be able to tuck your shirt in. <laughs> I think it'd be many a year before I tuck my shirt in. Noreen says, can you thank Bridget for telling me who provided the animals in the studio, which I asked you about yesterday? Morning to all the lovely Facebookers. Hottest day of the year, Steve. That'll be tomorrow, Hassan. That'll be tomorrow. Um, and... Uh, Apparently, look on YouTube for Fifty Shades of Grey, the musical, says Martine. <laughs> I could live without that. And apparently it's on a Kindle, a spoof of Fifty Shades. Fifty Shades of uh, red, white and blue. I shall leave it all to your imagination, Steve. Thank you. I w- listen, I wouldn't buy the book if you paid me. If a, if a copy arrived in free, I wouldn't be interested in reading it. But I know that many of you listening and people in this building have read the book. But the funny thing is, they've all admitted afterwards it's not much good. But they've all bought it. In fact, I, I couldn't tell you, but people not a million miles away from me here have actually bought this thing, and it's, it's word of mouth. The Pianist, Stephen says, is a rather slow film about how music transcends ideology. Uh, he says, I've seen it time and time again with all different people, and every time a new take on it, it's worth the length. Oh, good. Oh, well, I shall have, uh, I shall have a look at that. I always see, I mean, sometimes, if, if I get a film really under my belt, I, I, I do watch it loads of times and see something different every time. I can watch Steel Magnolias time and time again, and I always see something different in it. Mind you, I could watch Terry and June and see something different in it. It's LBC 97.3, 14 minutes past six. LBC 97.3. Morning, 17 minutes past. Did the LBC team enjoy the green and black chocolate, says Julie? Yes, they did. Yes, they did. Oh, that was the other day. OK, I know. <laughs> Always get somebody who goes, oh, green, oh, chocolate, oh, oh, that chocolate. Unfortunately, it arrived in while you were working down here, which is a bit of a shame, really. So, it's like the bacon rolls, they only arrive in for us upstairs. But I've discovered, actually, the breakfast show team, of which the Prime Minister will be uh, featuring on, he'll be talking to Nick Ferrari a little bit later on. They, they, have, they have breakfast delivered. for the... I don't have breakfast delivered. I'm a little bit, actually, I think I've... I know, but I mean, but well, the canteen's not open when they're on air either. I think it's delivered in. 
I think it's delivered in. I, I think they have their own their own cafe that sort of sends stuff in. I have to I have to go down the road and buy stuff. It's all very disappointing, I'm afraid. Canteen opens at eight, does it? Oh well. Oh well. One of these days. One of these days, I'll be privileged to have breakfast. I could eat an egg sandwich now, actually. A, a, a toasted, a, a sausage sandwich, bacon sandwich. I could eat anything at all, actually. Uh, more stories in the uh, the papers today. There's a lovely lovely feature on, of course. Uh, all the tributes pouring in to Marvin Hamlish and TV Sally Lindsley. Lindsay. I like her. She popped up on the television the other day and she's talking. She's been on Loose Women. She's been in Corrie, uh, Mount Pleasant. Uh, I like her, actually. I'm not sure Loose Women. They, they keep using different people on Loose Women and, and uh, they should really stick to a, a team, uh, I think. Uh, John Travolta. More revelations about him in the paper today. About He was on a, he was on a, a, a cruise ship. It's a little bit bizarre, actually. And uh, and the Michael Jack Sh- Jackson Shrine, set up by his daughter to salute her King of Pops, Paris Jackson, has taken this picture, and it's loads of pictures of Michael all over the bedroom wall. And uh, she said, somebody commented my picture saying, obsessed much? She says, yeah, you better believe it. A whole wall of his pics is the least I could do. Isn't that nice? So she's cut things out because it was her dad. And so they've, they've done it. I think they're being messed around something chronic by the family, but, uh, but there you go. Uh, I was right about the uh, Morris Gibb... Uh, sorry, about the, uh, the Robin Gibb plaque. It's going to be at his Oxfordshire home. Uh, Dwina, his wife, says he wrote a lot of songs there. And a superfit son of a top rugby league coach died after taking a tiny amount of uh, cocaine. Robin Millwood, who's the 19-year-old son of Castleford Tigers boss Ian, collapsed at the family home after suffering a reaction... I mean, you know, what in your right mind possesses somebody to actually take cocaine in the first place? Because some people, they, their, their bodies react differently to it. Some people can do things and, uh, and some people can't. And he was one of those who couldn't, but he paid the ultimate price, I'm afraid. Uh, other stories. Oh, I'm sorry, we haven't, haven't, haven't seen Grazia magazine for a little while on the programme. And uh, so I, I like to find... Again, it's, there's, there's more magazines aimed at women than there are... Obviously, women spend the most money... On magazines, because there is everything in here. I mean, there are pages and pages and pages of style and fashion and uh, Rihanna's secret holiday. So you get the uh, the Kristen affair, the new twist, when it really started. But then the rest of it is just full of... I mean, there's some car adverts. And I never know whether or not car adverts in a women's magazine are because they think this car should appeal to women or whether or not it's, it's for men... I, d- I don't really know, but they've got all sorts of features. Nice features on the Olympics, which is good. And then the uh, the fallout of, uh, of Kristen's affair with Mr Sanders. But then the rest of it is fashion features. What you should be wearing, what you should be putting on your face, what you should be putting on your body, what clothes you should be wearing. And it, and it really is amazing. Kate Middleton, a romantic beauty. Who says so? This is Karl Lagerfeld, who's, uh, who's in the latest edition. And what happens in the village stays in the village. This is uh, what the athletes get up to. And it's, it's very interesting. I like looking at... I wish men got as many magazines on clothes. I know that there are things like Esquire, but there's certainly... That's a nice jacket here. These things here, it's, it's a lovely leather jacket decorated by hand, and it's 1590 And you ask yourself the question, who buys this stuff? Who buys this stuff? I mean, and apparently, there's loads, probably all, most of the cast have made in Chelsea. On Friday, they get fray-ups. Normally, it's muesli, is it? Oh, right. Oh, dull. Couldn't be doing with muesli. So, Friday, they get a bacon roll, do they? Right. 
I'm, I'm sorting this out. By the time we get to next week, ladies and gentlemen, I'm telling you, we'll be having breakfast delivered on this programme. I should be making sure if I have to, if I have to do a contract myself. Uh, Steve, are any of the Jeremy Beadle shows available? Yes, Beadle's About is available. Beadle's About is available. And, uh, sorry? Oh, our shows. I don't know if... Do you know, I, we need to go through the archive, actually. We need, we need to go through the archives to find out what's available. Sorry, I mean, I, I thought you were talking about the Jeremy Beadle television shows. The radio shows, I don't know. Some of those uh, Sunday night shows should have been, because I featured on there, but presumably they'd have taken me out because I was reading the news. It was a Saturday night circus... Steve, I won a couple of CDs, ticket to the Women in Black, and two tickets to see Tom Jones in the entertainment quiz. Whoopee! Lovely. Neil says, I've lost 17 kilos in six weeks by eating, eating less, cardio, and by lifting light weights. I can now see parts of me I couldn't see before. I know. I'm not sure I want to see parts of me, to be honest with you. It's Beatrice, says Mariam, who is 24 today. 8888. Only Fergie. Meant to be lucky, says Noreen. Yes, that's her birthday, 8888. So lovely, thank you very much indeed for that. <coughs> Lots of people telling me about Fifty Shades of Grey being a, a spoof musical. I can, I can absolutely live without it, I think. I'm not, I'm not going to perpetuate the myth on this one, I've decided. And um, Little Julie says, you mentioned Christmas films, Steve. Big fan of them. Myself, might have to get the DVDs out once the Olympics are finished. Well, we've, we've got another week, haven't we? The Paralympics will run through for next week. But I bet you anything, I bet you anything, there's not going to be much coverage, which is, uh, which is a, great, a great shame. Um, one here that says, uh, men not allowed. I tuned in halfway through this discussion about Muslims and men not being allowed in a place meant for women. This is a, this is a, a mother and toddler group, but they've said women only. Uh, it's because it's a predominantly Asian community, which means that... And also children, boys over nine can't go either. So if you've got a family and they're all sort of mixed ages, that's, that's the problem, I'm afraid. A few years ago, Steve, I attended a local authority-sponsored all-day women's forum. A Muslim husband, the only man present, accompanied his wife and he sat beside her. No objection so far. When he joined her at the session dealing with women's experiences in physical assaults, the women felt uncomfortable. The women complained bitterly to the organisers afterwards. We all felt we'd missed out on something important. I gather the reaction would not have been the same had the man been of Western culture. LBC had a women's group once. I went to the meeting. I went to the meeting. Well, strange enough, they were, they were complaining about one of the other men who worked within the organisation, that uh, he, was sort of, he was sort of leering, which, which I thought was quite an interesting... I haven't, haven't heard of people being leered at for a long, long time. And, uh, and so I sat there and somebody said, are we, are we allowed to have a man at the women's meeting? And somebody said, well, you can't exclude him, otherwise it's discrimination. So I was allowed to sit there. I found it most entertaining. Most entertaining. Just to let you know, says Joanne, another gift box. I don't know, honestly. Save your money, for goodness sake. Morning to little Julie and the lovely Noreen. Neil's off on holiday, I believe. All people are off on holiday recently. It's the time to go on holiday. I myself... I'm, uh, I'm away in September, but not till the not till the end of September, uh, which I'm very much looking forward to. Uh, front page of the Mail this morning: as GB wins four more golds, making this our best games in a century. Chris Hoy triumphs again to become Britain's greatest ever Olympian, and it's great pictures. Really, is fantastic pictures. Really, really good. Nick Ferrari after the news at seven this morning. The games lanes. I'd still love to know how Sarah Ferguson managed to get in the games lanes. Never understand that one at all. Uh, we will follow up 
the Marks and Spencers letter. We've got a letter from uh, Sarah Wynne, who's their customer advisor, about the, you know, the price of the papers in Marks and Spencers on a Sunday. Three of them. This has been running for donkey's weeks now. Donkey's weeks. I'm going to try it again Sunday, and then we'll, we'll, then we'll, we'll call her and uh, we'll try and let you know, because it's, it's just got beyond a joke, I'm afraid. Uh, Nick will be sending out a reporter to the crash site where a cyclist tragically lost his life. We've now overtaken Beijing for the gold medal count. Can we do any more? Yes, we can. Can we fix it? Of course we can. And regular updates from Croydon regarding the missing girl Tia Sharp, the most bizarre story I've ever heard of somebody who just vanishes into, into thin air. Uh, plus, joining Nick live will be the Prime Minister, David Cameron, We'll be joining Nick live on breakfast this morning at 8 o'clock. Amber Elliott, political editor at Total Politics, will be going through the papers. And it's, uh, it's, it's pictures from the velodrome. It's, it's happy pictures. It's people with, with gold medals. And it all looks absolutely wonderful. Victoria Pendleton is now uh, advertising shampoo. And they're now saying it's a million pound a year contract. That's what they all do. She said she couldn't wait to... Uh, to, uh, to finish so that she could start doing these things. And this is where she will start, um, she'll start earning money. In the same way as Tom Daly will probably earn a small fortune. And they say here, a glamour shot and a million pound a year silver lining for Victoria Pendleton. And so now she's got the shampoo. I think Tom Daly has advertised Speedos and various other things. They're all doing it. Even the bloke from the choir was advertising a pair of shoes the other day, I noticed. So there's obviously, there's obviously money in this marketing. The moment you become a media darling, people, people love you. Uh, Freebie Fergie, I don't know, what with Freebie Fergie and, uh, and, uh, and uh, Andrew, the ex-husband? Uh, this uh, story about the fathers banned by the play centre's women-only decree would be very, very interesting. That'll run in the, the papers all the way through today. And uh, there's another one here on the uh, front of the sun. They've actually got a list of all the medals, just in case you needed reminding of just how well we were doing. There's a whole list here, everything. And most of the things sitting down. We're very, very good at the sitting down things, which is very, very good. The Express on the front page, they've got the triathlon, uh, <coughs> excuse me, cycling and dressage. And they say here, jubilant Team GB, celebrating a sensational Olympic record, 22 gold medals. And uh, Britain's athletes scored four yesterday. I mean, it's absolutely stunning. So well done to every concerned. And uh, even Boris Johnson has said our athletes' efforts to bring home the bling have paid off. It is absolutely wonderful. And so congratulations to all of them. Lots of happy pictures of people smiling. It's one thing that we need in this country. We need lots more smiling. We'll have some smiling later on. We'll have a free podcast for you up on LBC 97.3. If you go to the LBC website lbc.co.uk. There's all the details about podcasting. If you're not familiar with it, it's terribly easy to do. I'll try and find out at some point over the next week or so about uh, doing vintage podcasting, because there must be some programmes in the archive that would, uh, that would benefit from an extra airing, things that we can go back and, and find out again, whether it's Jeremy Beadle or, uh, or Bob Holness or some of my Saturday Night Out programmes. I'll see if we can find out, because there's a, an insatiable appetite that you have for, for finding all this stuff and enjoying it again and again and again. Then you can hear how much people have changed over the years. I'm back with you tomorrow morning between 4 and 6.30. Nick and the team. Don't forget, David Cameron will be joining Nick live after the news at 8 o'clock. Coming up next an LBC 97.3. It's the morning news with Susan Bookbinder. What is she like, eh? Yeah, she's 